Okay, right here now. I just want to clear the air, Matt. I am not stalking you. Yeah, okay. Hey, I believe you. No, 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 no. I have proof. Listen to this. It's Paul, do you, uh, you think Bill's getting out of hand with this mad obsession of his? Uh, you want to know a little something about that whole thing? Oh, God. What, what now? What's he done now? No, no. I, I have a secret. All right. Well, let's spill it already. I am Matt Stalker. See? I told you. No. No, that's not true. That's impossible. No! No! No. Back to the bin. <laughs> All right, you know what? There, there. For that, for that performance, we'll take you over to Tashi Station. <laughs> <laughs> to pick up some one... power converters. Anybody who can wind that well deserves to go. <laughs> then you have not heard the Christmas special this year yet. No, they have not. <laughs> oh, that's good. I like that. Thank, thank you for doing that. You're welcome. You don't mind my uh, altering your lines just a bit to sound more. No, no, it was well, just a guideline. It's not like something people Scott would say. Like. No, yeah, I, you know, we could. We could We'll do it on the fly. So, all right. So, back to the show. Back with the show. Like Marlon on with the show. Right, this so is let's it. bring it in. Anyone? Nah. I'll nah, bring it in. Nah, nah, I don't care. Nah, nah. I haven't brought it's in a show. Like Star Wars. Like... <laughs> I can't do that. All right, you bring it in then. You can't do that. You can't do a Wookiee thing. I can't do a Wookiee thing. <laughs> Sometimes when I yawn, it sounds like a Wookiee. That's about it. <laughs> I have been what? known to breathe like Vader after running five feet these days. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you get to run five feet? I do it when I get up out of a chair. <laughs> <laughs> so what's my line for the opening? No! Oh, okay. <laughs> yes! And we're back. <laughs> hey, everybody, and welcome to Back to the Bins. I'm opening it because everybody else says they're going to open it, and then they never open it. I'm Paul Spataro. And we are bringing you our shameless, obligatory coattails riding episode of Star Wars. Not any particular episode, just Star Wars. And Silly little Star Wars. I'm here today with Dr. Bill Robinson. <laughs> Scott Gardner. Where? And as our special guest from SWIC, we have Matt Huntsworth. No, I mean, yes. And if you don't know what SWIC is, you should know what it is. And I'm not going to even tell you. It's that thing where you get Thank, free. Thanks for the promotion, Paul. That helps us out a lot. <laughs> they should know already. You were on what three months ago? That's right. And was we that, said then that they that, should be I listening. Longer than that ago. Hmm? Yeah, I thought it was longer than that, but maybe it was back in August, right? So okay. November, uh, September, October, November, December. Okay, four months. I was say I thought legally I can only speak the bill once every six months. Yeah, and just anybody who listened to that opening bit, you you realize that Bill is the stalker. Still, we what? had a little fun. But Bill is the stalker. I'm not the stalker. I don't even live the closest to you. I know. And that's that's what the guy says. on the podcast lives like in the same city. You guys so anybody who lives closer to him is the stalker? That's your logic. That's your defense before a jury. <laughs> right. You're going to you so fast. <laughs> you might as well just plea bargain this one out. <laughs> not guilty. You might be out on probation. Just give me that Xanadu comic and... He's too pretty the... to go to prison. Oh, no. 
Oh, no, you're not getting my Xanadu comic. It's got, like, photos and stuff in the back, too. Production stuff. stuff. What's the end stuff? <laughs> it's stuff. I haven't read all of it. That stuff is what Bill added to it after he saw the picture of (laughs) Ouch. Bill's too pretty to go to prison again. He's got a purdy mouth. (laughs) Go to prison again? Again. (laughs) You just see, they'd have Bill in a dress and and, and his hair in pigtails. What's the guy in the cantina? Uh, The doctor guy? Dr. Evans? Yeah. I'm a wanted man. Dr. Bill's a wanted man in 12 systems. I got nothing to add to that. Oh. Doesn't surprise me. <laughs> There's been 11 before me is what you're saying. Oh, God, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> so as we sit here today, the new movie is opening in two days. And as you're listening to this, if you listen to it on the day it's posted, it will have been open for two days. What's everybody's anticipation going into this now? Pain. <laughs> <laughs> that was new and original. <laughs> that's, not anti- that's, that's a prediction. Whatever. Are you keeping your? Are you have you kept your expectations low, or are you getting? Oh yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely. I yeah. have learned my lesson in recent years that if I go in with you know crazy high expectations, generally speaking, I end up being horribly disappointed. So I figure going in at the opposite end of the spectrum this time, hopefully, will pay off. I mean, just today they started releasing. Um, you know some of the uh, the first reactions of of people that are are you know beginning to see the movie. I, I don't don't know how the hell they're getting these early screenings or whatever, but uh, most of them seem to be pretty glowing. So I'm hoping that's a good sign. But then again, you know, so were some of the the first reviews <laughs> for you know some other movies that you know historically have turned out to not be so much. So I don't know. I mean, I'm trying to keep an open mind despite the fact and. You know, I don't want to go into that whole thing again because Chris and I just did an entire episode. But, you know, despite the fact I'm not, you know, super enthused about the movie, you know, so far what I've seen about it, I'm trying to keep an open mind. I mean, I, I want to go and, and have a good time and all that. So, you know, we'll, we'll see. That's a good way to put it. I, wa- I do want to go have an, a g- and have a good time. And that's why I'm kind of not expecting it or wanting it to be something. I just I'm going to go see what it is and hopefully have right. a good time with it. And the reviews are actually a, a little uh, encouraging. At least the ones that I read, well, they're mostly tweets, but it was not a lot of people. I'm not going to say this is across the board, but not a lot of people are saying it's the best ever, but they're saying it's up there. It's like between Empire and Jedi as a broad stroke thing. Now, if everyone came out of there saying this is the best one ever, I'd be a little dubious. But there seems to be some honesty yeah. behind the tweet. So it's got it's, it's actually getting me a little more excited now having read those. Yeah. Don't it's get funny, excited. Yeah. Don't get excited. <laughs> no, I, I know exactly what you mean because I, I had the same thought that uh, you know if they everybody come out going, oh, this is the greatest thing that's ever been. I've been like, you know, you're actually not helping me at all. Right. Yeah. That, you know. Yeah. Well, I I mean I kept my expectations reasonable when the prequels came out. There wasn't any one of the three where I was absolutely expecting it to be the best thing ever, and I think I walked away more satisfied from those three than most. Because I think bo- most people, you know, people give that that stupid line of George Lucas raped my childhood, which is just stupidity. But yeah. I think they went in there expecting to relive their childhood. And I think that's too much to ask of a movie. You know, you, you take the, the movie that for a lot of people, you know, kind of framed their childhood a little bit. And you say, oh, you're making a new movie. I want it to be that good. And I want it to have that kind of impact on me. First of all, at this age in life, it's hard for any movie to have that kind of impact on you. That's true. 
And second of all, you know, what what's the likelihood that they're going to be able to do that with this particular one? Mm-hmm. So I went into those movies kind of just looking to be entertained. And, you know, to varying degrees, I was. And I have criticisms of all three and I have praises for all three. Uh, I expect more of the same. You know, I, I, I'm not expecting this to be life changing uh, or, or life affirming. I, I'm just go. I just want to go and enjoy the movie. That's all yep. I'm looking for. And if, if I walk out with that having been the experience, I'm good. George Lucas raped my car hood, and I still don't know what the hell that was all about. <laughs> I guess he used the tailpipe. <laughs> oh, I'm not falling for a banana in a tailpipe. No, you got to say that like like you're angry. Right? I'm not falling for no banana in a tailpipe, man. <laughs> or say it like George Lucas, a little less emotional. I'm not falling for any banana in a tailpipe. <laughs> What about you, Bill? What are you thinking? You, you've been kind of quiet through this. Well, since I just bought five Place tickets. in that, Paul. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, go. I resisted this urge to go, yeah, who cares, really? <laughs> I got to say, Matt, you really do bring that swick attitude onto our show, too. <laughs> hey, man, it's all surface with me. Which... It's the same attitude we get when, no, when nobody else is here. <laughs> I'm always nice to you. Same crap, different show. I got feelings, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah, we're banking on that. <laughs> uh, well, I, I just bought five tickets, so God, I hope it's going to be a good movie or else I'll be like, uh, I'll be a little pissed off. But uh, no, I'm I'm like you guys. I'm not getting my hopes up. I'm, I'm I just want to I don't want to be spoiled. I just want to see it and take it in and then just absorb, I guess. You've seen it Sunday, right? Yes. I'm going to text the crap out of you as spoiler from Friday <laughs> till Saturday. I'll shut my Thursday, phone Starting off. Thursday night, actually. Thursday to Sunday morning. <laughs> oh, it's for Matt. No, don't look at it. Don't look at it. Yeah, you, you won't be able it. to help yourself when you say it for Matt. <laughs> I'll be like, ha, 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 I'm not going to do anything. And there'll be a knock on the door. and you Telegram. <laughs> oh, yeah, hi. Matt says, oh, no, no. <laughs> I'm making a singing telegram, too. You won't be able to. And to, to the tune of Xanadu. <laughs> and then open up it'll be land shark <laughs> I, I expect to be on uh, social media extremely limited social media access between thursday and monday when i see the movie just because i i assume there'll be some idiot who's got to post stuff yeah I, yeah i really don't understand like some people want to be spoiled and i just don't understand why you would do that i understand if you're going into the movie you know if you're not gonna be able to see it next week and it's gonna be too long and you gotta get information because you're, you're busting but yes. if you know you're going to see it in the next three or four days, oh, do you, don't you want to see it clean? Do you Do you remember when I accidentally spoiled myself for the Avengers? Do you remember me telling I, you I about thought, that? I thought you were wearing Depends that day. No, I didn't soil <laughs> myself. I was oh, reading. Spoiled. I was reading Sci-Fi, which is now Siffy. Siffy. And they had the top nine Josh Whedon deaths. And I just started, oh. I'm like, oh, and I, and they didn't say anything about the Avengers in it. It didn't click in my head about the Avengers and Josh Whedon, which I should have known. So I clicked through and I got to the last one. It was Coulson. I'm like, what? What? <laughs> what? You guys could have put a effing spoiler in here. Uh, oh, I was so pissed. So pissed at that. Oh, hey, I don't know if you guys have listened to the no consoles for old men that went out. We talked about Star Wars games. Uh, I've since then going to up my rating of Battlefront. Um, it is, uh, now that I've got the online component, it's a little bit better. It's, uh, it's, it's, it, it really doesn't have a single player campaign to speak of at all. Like the older, like the original star Wars ones, uh, battlefront one and two, but 
I'm getting the hang of online. I'm getting some skills back. So uh, maybe I'll be taking you on, Matt, after you get yours for Christmas. That's right. Yeah, I can't wait. Should have it in a couple weeks from now. So Dave and Chris have those too, don't they? they they're already. Uh, oh, I think Chris is getting one for Christmas. Dave's already online. So Dave's out there to play. He's ready right, to well, be shot. We'll definitely have. <laughs> he's ready to be shot. We'll definitely have to get together. Um, so I can kill you virtually. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's it. <laughs> He's going to walk behind you everywhere you go in the Yeah, game. no kidding, yeah. <laughs> no, really? Like a, a, one last footstep after I stop walking. I'm like, what is that noise? <laughs> we'll be on the same team and I'll be right behind you shooting you. Oh, sorry, sorry. Oh, sorry, 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 sorry. Kill this I guy. plan to be there as that guy that gets killed and respawns, gets killed, respawns, gets killed, respawns. Yeah. That'll be me. That'll be me the first launch of the game on my console. Until he finally finds a good spot to just hide for the entire battle. <laughs> right. Well, once you rank up, or if you could find... Uh, uh, my my son's been playing it too, so he's been ranking up. And once you get rank, you can get better weapons and better equipment and stuff. Aren't you already rank? <laughs> <laughs> I think we're going to hire an 11-year-old to get my <laughs> ranking up before I start playing. Yeah. Here, kid. Here's Mountain Dew and some... Oh, it's like I'm talking to Bill. <laughs> <laughs> Burritos, go ahead and play. Here's some time out doing to yeah, and some Taco Bell. Knock yourself out. <laughs> you throw it in the microwave for me? What Taco Bell? No, the Mountain Dew idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Liquefy the tacos and put it in a cup. <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> put it on puree. Oh, mm-hmm. I gotta try that. That sounds delicious. Get those Chipotle chicken anyway. All right. <laughs> All right. Anybody have any other thoughts about the movie before we get into the comics? No, not yet. Ask me this time next week. Hoping the score is good. I'm really looking forward to the new, uh, a new score, a new Star Wars score. That yeah, they're not be- releasing that until tomorrow too, right? Or until the 17th or 18th, so nobody gets spoiled by the names of the. Uh... Uh, yeah, I know it's after the movies. All I know, I, I don't know the exact release date yet. That that freaking joke cover was hilarious. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Hans Noble End. Yeah, Hans Noble End. Uh, what was it like Chewie and Leia's wedding? And I'll just kept getting more and more ridiculous every line, every every title. <laughs> All right, so I guess we might as well jump into some comics. Let's do it. Do we do we have any shout outs that we want to do first, Paul? Because I'm really thinking that we do. Hi to the other No, no, guys. no, no. The shout out should be for the Christmas episode. Oh, okay. All right. Don't you well, think actually that make no, that makes perfect sense now that you say that. Okay, I, say, shall, I shall set this book aside and stop thumbing through it while you guys are talking. Just say hi to the other <laughs> Swick guys. Hi, Who, me? hi, Chris. Well, no, that's oh. that's a shout out here. The other Swick guys. Really think they're going to listen to this? this episode? You mean? Why, why, yeah, why, yeah. yeah screw those guys. They don't they listen don't, to everything you're on. They don't give a rat's ass what I'm on outside. Of <laughs> oh, but it's Star Wars. <laughs> that's true. All right, there might be a chance they listen to it. My my thought is, considering they had no interest in coming on here, they probably have no interest in listening to it either. <laughs> Well, here's the thing with that, honestly, and, I, and all kidding aside, I was really hoping to get those guys because there are there are certain members of the SWIT cast that I would really like the opportunity to try to change their mind even just a little bit about the comics because I don't know if they know this or not, but they're, they're rather dismissive about the comics. And, okay, I, I'll be the first one to admit, yeah, there's a lot of wonky stuff in the EU, and a lot of the wonky stuff comes from the comic side of the EU. But there's a lot of great stuff in there, too. As a matter of fact, the, the book we've got up first, the book that Bill is bringing, I, I will defend to my dying day. I, I think it's fantastic Star Wars. So 
you know, I, I was I was at least hoping for that opportunity, but we'll yeah, you know, it's just, we'll, it's, we'll, we'll be able to do it again another time. It's tough. It's it's t- it's it's already tough with. Well, I mean, you you guys know it's tough getting four guys on a show that worked. Yeah, that is our our show. So getting us four on anything else outside of that is. I don't know that we've ever done it to be real honest. I don't think we have. It's always been. Two or three, two of us, really. So, I mean, you have a, we have a better chance of you addressing each individual one right. at a time, maybe, and giving them the rundown on their thoughts. That might actually work out better than ever trying to get us all on the same show. It just doesn't happen outside of our, our show, actually. Right, so Are any of those comic okay. book guys? Dave is. Dave, I think, um, Dave really, pl- I'll tell you this. So, kind of just as a, like, yeah, Bill ruining everything. Is that again. Bill? That's Bill's Bell. Jesus Christ. You're fired. <laughs> Dave has all, I think still has all the Marvel comics. So he, the, the originals. So he's probably the closest to a comic guy. I think he just kind of dropped off on the dark, dark horse. But I think given suggestions from someone that knows what they're talking about, he might actually check out. So Dave would probably be the best, or not the best, would be the most likely after me to read comics. Now, Chris and Tim, after that, it's a, it's a, it's a toss up. I think they just, well, I've heard Aren't Chris interested. mention Superman so many times. So oh, I finally, he's a uh, I invited him on sometime to talk Superman. And he was like, uh, I don't know anything about comics. I'm like, but you talk about Superman. So it turned out he's he's like really into Movie like and Superman cartoon. movies, but yeah. not so yeah. much the the comics. So yeah. yeah, Dave's really the biggest comic guy. I mean, they, they have their history with comics, but I'd say Dave is probably the, Dave is probably actually more. In fact, I I, I know he's, he knows comics better than than I do. Why do we have you on here? <laughs> I, that's that's a damn good question. He showed up. Yeah, there you Bill go. insisted. I, you know, I had one more observation. One more. Op- you know the Seinfeld episode where Jerry has the uh, he has the like the Bizarro friends. Yes. Yeah. So Matt would be Seinfeld. I would think that I would be the Chris analog, and Paul would be the Dave analog with sports, and then Scott would be the Tim analog. What do you think? Yay, nay? Okay. I mean, it's hard to be as as uh, vulgar as Chris. And I mean that in every best possible way. <laughs> but if you want to attempt it, go for it. Well, I meant like just with, I don't know, maybe maybe with laughing and just being uh, a subject of ridicule. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Chris does get, yeah, he between his mispronunciations and his lack of trivia knowledge does kind of get, get ridiculed maybe more than his fair share. <laughs> maybe. Not Bill, though. Bill, it's just enough. What? Maybe it needs to be a little more, actually. <laughs> well, it's been nice having you. Oh, cool. Good. <laughs> Listen to Star Wars and Character, everybody. Good night. Matt, do you have a uh, Swick commercial that I can put into the episode? No. You would think I would after four years. You would? Yeah. You'd be wrong. <laughs> I, you would be dead wrong, yep. All right. What can you do? Uh, I, I can put one just... together, but apparently I can't. Or you could cut the front of an episode off and just put that in there. And have, that's what Gene did. Gene was you can like, have Christy on our show. Gene's like, this is how easy it is. Look, I just did it. I'm like, thanks. That's Four a commercial for listen to the prophets. It's, it's just the opening music from, from the episode. Oh, okay. <laughs> this is Star Wars in Character, the podcast that takes a closer look at some of the elements that make up the Star Wars universe. Backstories. Histories. And details you never knew, wanted to know, or ever need to know. 
Now here are this week's panelists of Star Wars in character. So anyway, moving on to comic books. We have three, basically three books from three different Star Wars comics eras, even though I think they all kind of take place in a similar time frame in the uh, Star Wars history. Mm-hmm. I guess they do. I didn't know. Oh, notice. yeah. Hmm. I was too busy. Right, they're they're too all in between uh, episode four and five? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now, that, that seems to be, especially with the new ones that have been coming out, that seems to be the only area that they really seem to attack, and I'm not sure why. Well, what do you mean by attack or just pull well, from? Well, I mean, and, and I know you have the comics that take place, you know, a long time ago and everything. You would think that with the new releases that they really would have gone after, this is what's been going on since Empire, since uh, Return of the Jedi. Well, they did They did have one called Aftermath, uh, like a uh, four or five book? issue. Yeah. Which, no, oh, no. They, they did a they comic had a book, but they had a com- Yeah, there was like oh, okay. a, a comic series too, which... Eh. When was, it was based that? after the book? Yeah, it was just after... I don't know. I, I haven't read the book. I'm just okay. saying that it was. It, it takes place right after the battle on Endor. Yeah, that's kind this of. This is recent. Yeah, I didn't even see that. Yeah, uh, I'll dig it up for you later. All right, please do. I think I know where it is. Because I, I have not seen that. I've seen everything going, you know, after A New Hope and before The Empire Strikes Back. And like I said, I would think it would be real fertile ground to to go after, kind of to without doing any spoilers to set up. The new movie, and I haven't seen any of that. There's actually. Are you confusing that with Shattered Empire, Bill? By chance? Maybe it is Shattered Empire. There's a, a very short series called Shattered Empire that yeah, it's like takes four or five place like the day after Return of the. That's Jedi. what I was talking about. Sorry, yeah, that's okay. that's the one. Not yes, you're right. Aftermath is the book, which I have not read. I don't know if I want to because when I look at all don't. the other books I have, it makes me mad. Don't don't don't. It's it, you know it, it gets it's gotten panned a lot, especially by people who miss the EU, and I can understand stand that. But it's it's really not. It's one of those ones you. It's not Is worth it, reading right now. You might want to read it later when things slow down in Star Wars. But it, it it's characters you don't know. It doesn't sound like we're gonna see. So it's kind of like if just a placeholder. If you read it when it first came out, it was just kind of placeholding you for Star Wars until the movie came out. It's, I'd say reading it now is gonna do you no good. Yeah, see, I, I don't want really? a placeholder, no. and I don't want spoilers, but I would like something that just kind of sets up the universe, sets up where it's been going the last 20-odd years that, that you know, that's well, passed. How far does a- Aftermath even go? I mean, what time frame does it cover after and after Endor? You mean Shattered Empire, not Aftermath? No, the book. The book? Ah, I can't really give me a timeline, because I kind of, once I, once I lost interest, I just made it, okay. it was more of a challenge to a goal to finish it than actually absorb it so i just kind of got through it and yeah, i really I can't tell it. you like the last <laughs> two-thirds of the book so what you're saying is just go get it from the library if i got right. nothing else get the, there's an audiobook and those usually star wars audiobooks regardless of what time period they're put mm. in are usually pretty listenable so that's i wish i had done that i probably would have remembered more of it and gotten through it faster hmm. all, right. all right well in the meanwhile uh, comics yeah we're, we're gonna go with them in release order which Bill would give you the first book. Dun, dun, dun. You'd be book filled, book filled Bill today. Book filled Bill. Uh, uh, since this is one of Scott's favorite characters, or uh, possibly, well, I don't think he's the your most favorite character. He was. He's in my top three, if I if I recall. Okay. Um, There's like a quick little blurb here that I can read up to uh, until um, the book takes place. Sure. Um, that just kind of gives his quick background. I got a snicker because his home world is uh, shin bone. <laughs> Sorry. It's connected to the leg bone. 
So part now, of the headphone system. <laughs> see, this is <laughs> now. I guess his name is Beolert. What? Do you say it three times fast and he appears? God, I hope not. <laughs> Whose name? It, his first name. B-E-I-L-E-R-T. I'm oh, looking that's, at... that's some of that Wikipedia EU shit. His name is Valance. He, he does, I don't think they ever gave no. him a name beyond that in the comic itself. Wikipedia, yes, is nonsense, right? Yes. Right now. Uh, they are. Well, unfortunately, that's where I'm reading this from. <laughs> so, Bailert Valance, also known as Valance the Hunter, was a former human... Male Imperial Stormtrooper, non-commissioned officer, who, after a crippling injury in combat, was rebuilt as a cyborg. And they after the technology, leaving... <laughs> exactly. And after leaving the Stormtrooper Corps, went into business for himself as a bounty hunter. His hatred of droids and his own half-mechanical nature was incensed when he chanced upon information of an unidentified human who befriended droids. In his search for this boy, his path crossed with that of former Starhoppers. With the former Star Harpers of Aduba 3, which that's a, a storyline right after that takes place right after the movie adaptation. Yep. Uh, until finally locating Luke Sky, Skywalker and his droids R2D2 and C3PO. Rather than ending in a fatal firefight, their confrontation actually caused a change of heart in balance, driving him to protect Skywalker from the Empire in hopes that one day the Rebels might create a society that had room for cyborgs like himself. Oh. And that's where I will. That's where we pick up the story that we are covering tonight, and that is Star Wars, Marvel Star Wars number twenty nine, and we have an Infanto Bob Whitecheck cover. Infantino, Infantino, Infanto. See, I am just like Chris. The Infanto Empire, Moistener, or the Infanto Menace. <laughs> the Infanto Menace. Wow. Infantino, sorry. You should. And we have. Uh, Vader and Valance, V and V, V versus V, on a uh, wooden pier as uh, Valance is blasting with his hand, hand blaster into Vader's cape, and Vader is bearing down on him, ready to push him into some type of steamy liquid. Yeah. Insert joke there. Well, someone has to. <laughs> <laughs> Continuing the saga begun in a film by George Lucas, released by 20th Century Fox, Archie Goodwin is our writer and editor. Carmine Infantino and Bob Whitecheck are our artists. John Costanza is the letterer. And Glynis Ween, well, well, I guess her name was Glynis Ween at this time and not Oliver, is a colorist. And Jim Shooter is the consulting editor. And this came out, date date in the book is November 1979. So this is obviously prior to Empire. So we're still in, the, in between uh, four and five. And the name of our story is Dark Encounter. And we have uh, a couple of the Infantino squat-headed stormtroopers, which I <laughs> I still love them. I I I just want to stop for a second saying I've I've always li- I've liked Carmine Infantino on Star Wars so much that you don't know how to say his name until ten minutes ago. Exactly. <laughs> but I've never been a big fan of his on anything else. Maybe some of the Flash um, issues, which I also know he's he's more. Famous this for stuff it, on Nova is really good. Is it? I I haven't seen it. So, uh, but it's from right in this same era. But I I always loved the way he did the ships and the guns and the and the uh, the lasers. There was um, just something I'm about it. On, I'm not on board with him. Uh, well, I, I don't know because when I was a kid, between the first and second movie, that this was this was where I got my fix for seeing the ships. Yep. 
And that's what I love about it. So anyway, we have the squad headed stormtroopers in, in the hallway who uh, apparently are, are a, a little squeamish with interrogation. And then apparently Vader's um, head guy is also a little squeamish because he has a little indigestion and they haven't even had dinner yet. That's my favorite part of this so far. Is him, <laughs> like, just him ducking around the corner, around the doorway. Might be excused, Lord Vader. I, I seem to have a touch of indigestion. <laughs> In bold and italicized. Indigestion. <laughs> His stomach goes... It's as you were sponsored by Tom's. <laughs> <laughs> Plus the guy's name is Wormus. What kind of name is Wormus? Anyway. It was my dad's name. Of the <laughs> <laughs> so he keeps tor- torturing and uh, finally gets a name or you, he says, the name, Rebel, start with the name. And a nice shot of a Star Destroyer off in space, orbiting a planet. And then it says, Tyler Lucian. And now we cut to um, Valance the Hunter in a local cantina. And this is the planet of Centaurus, I believe. I've probably missed, or Centaurus. If I misspelled that. Hamana Hamana. That's where he's at. Um, and he's speaking with a uh, bar owner uh, about looking rabbi. for Tyler Lucian. What? A what? Rabbi. Yeah. <laughs> a rabbi. <laughs> Mahayim. Uh, stranger. Uh, oh boy, my Yiddish is bad. Oi. That was Yiddish? <laughs> he's either a rabbi or he's getting ready to go to bed. One of the two. I, I can't quite decide on that one. So that as second the guy's... panel on page six looks like he, you know, he almost looks like Ebenezer Scrooge headed the... <laughs> yeah. You will be visited by three ghosts. <laughs> Especially if you drink to the... Drink well, wouldn't that be four? Oh, and I got... Horse ghosts? There are Horse four ghosts! That's a Never call mind. I, I can't say because it'll spoil the, the Star Wars Swickmas special because I had a question, but I can't answer it. I can't ask okay. it right now. You um, text me if I didn't block you in my phone. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> anyway, as the questioning goes on... We could just stop the show right there. That's the best thing <laughs> that's going to be said tonight right there. <laughs> oh, wait. I don't know. I'm sure there's more that you can say at my expense. <laughs> so Valance I'm not sure we'll say anything funny, but we'll try. <laughs> Valance busts through the bar as the rabbi is about to reach for a gun and blast him. And he's crushing his hand. Meanwhile, two other aliens, one of which I think looks like James Arness. James Ar- Ar- Arness from the original uh, thing from another world movie. The plant guy. It was like a car- the the vegetable alien guy. You know what I'm talking about, right? Anyone? Anyone? I do, but I'd rather leave you out there hanging. Yeah, you just you just you just love that, don't you? Yeah, you son of a bitch. <laughs> anyway, Valance blasts the two of them, and he also takes one in the face, a blaster that is, and he turns back to Merle, the rabbi, Rabbi Merle, uh, and the guys are screaming, "Oh, you're you're nothing sentient. You can't be." Aye, aye. Balance is later seen le- leaving the bar, and there was reports of a disturbance at Merle's, and a couple stormtroopers question him. He's got a license to be a bounty hunter, and one one stormtrooper, who I'm surprised he could see anything out of that squat helmet, says, hey, something's bothering me. I thought I saw something under his cow. Oh, my God, he's, he's a Borg. <laughs> no, not that Borg. A miserable cyborg trying to pass. We can't let something like him get away with killing normal organics. Man, with such such hatred for... Do they not know their boss is a machine? <laughs> That's a good point. You know, so anyway, Valence blasts him with his hand, hand blaster and gets away uh, to go find Tyler Lucian. 
And we cut to the lovely tourist spot that used to be uh, on the planet of... Where's the name? I know it's here somewhere. Yeah, I should really write notes sometimes. Read a synopsis, Bill. Thanks. Hey, i always working on it. With the red planet? Yeah. Mars. Well, this was a lake, but now it's like a lake uh, that they, they were mining and uh, interrupted some lava shoots. And now basically the water is acid and it'll eat through metal in hours and flesh in merely minutes. And that's where Tyler Lucian is hiding out because he uh, wimped out when the Death Star was coming and be feet, only to find out that uh, Luke... Had, this, how about the Ruby Flame Lake of Centaurus? This is Centaurus, yeah. Yeah. Come on, Bill. Where is that at? Where did I miss that? Right there where it says Ruby it the older Flame Republic. Lake. Ruby Lake. <laughs> Ruby Flame Lake was oh, there a it is. Okay. popular resort, attracting visitors by the thousands to Centaurus from throughout the mid-systems. Well, I don't want to read everything verbatim. Yeah, it's true. It's, it is in the first <laughs> sentence. I could see where that might lose you. <laughs> well, I was just so engrossed by the picture. It's a lovely picture. It's a lovely shot. Of some dilapidated green tower, on and a rickety wooden, uh, what do you call those? Docks, walkway. <laughs> yes, docks. Yep. Which it makes you think, what's what's the what's the dock made out of that it's not eaten through that? Like you know, because it looks like it's wood when uh, they're fighting. But anyway, uh, force planks. <laughs> it's made out of those little droids that had the force fields, and they're all holding it up. There you the, go. Yeah, it's the yep. ones from Episode Three. Yeah, 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 yeah. So anyway, Valens comes and uh, says, you know, finds him and he says, I'm not here to kill you. Um, And then just as he's saying that, lo and behold, flies over Darth Vader. Bomb, bomb, bomb. Or Paul Spataro. You you, you pick whichever. So he heads over to the way that Vader's going to come. And then we cut to an interlude. (laughs) What? You're batting a thousand. This is awesome. This is your best one yet. (laughs) We cut to an interlude on the, pa- the the planet of Yavin to where R2 has been repaired again. And I got to say, the last panel on the page looks like R2 is just shooting something all over c 3 p It does. Yeah, I'll agree with you on that. <laughs> so apparently uh, General Dodonna uh, has let Leia go off somewhere. And from your guys' show, didn't you say that you thought that... No, no, Scott thought that, that uh, Dodonna was, had... It, it was from the well, Chris two, and I both. Yeah, yeah that, something that, weird was going on between Dodonna and Leia. They had a thing going. Oh, you know, we just called him Drunk Jim Henson and left it at that. <laughs> <laughs> so the what interlude. I in. never noticed before. I, I literally, I've read this comic probably thousands of times in my life, and I cannot believe I never till just now noticed. That General Dodonna is wearing a crossword puzzle on his tunic. He is. <laughs> and the first panel of page 17. What the hell is that all about? Oh, he's got it on the last page of 16, too. It's up there in a corner. Does he? Yeah. Oh, you're right. right. No, it's not a crossword puzzle. It's it's He's he's apparently uh, owned by Purina, and they're going to make dog food. <laughs> <laughs> so... Having already gotten rid of Leia, um, he tells Luke, you need a mission too. So get rid of the two of you brats and get you off this planet. And the next panel is, if I could have a picture from this panel, some original art, it would be that picture with Valence and Vader yes. facing off. That I think that's the best shot in this book. Even though the sun's a little hokey, like, you know, the Japanese Japan rising sun flag, kind of. But uh, other than that, beautiful shot. I, didn't I don't know even about actually that panel, that. but yeah, I, I do love that panel. That's that's one like waste of space dock. 
<laughs> yeah, seriously. Zigzag. You never hear that the yeah the, the the fastest point from A to B is a straight line. Not that crap. Holy cow. I'm coming for you, Valens. Hold on, I'm making a right turn. Oh, right turn, another turn. Hold on, I'm com- don't go anywhere. I'm coming. It's very narrow. I have to be careful. You know Ooh. me and lava. It's a who? It's a whole thing. Oh yeah, he's probably terrified. Oh crap! I hate this place. Oh shit! It's bringing bad, bad vibes. Bad vibes. And then Valens says, "I have the high ground." Invader screams, "Oh! I never learned." Oh. But Vader actually has the upper hand, so to speak, as he is pointing with his one finger. I could take you down with my finger, bitch. Oh, so he's uh, basically he's through the force. He's making Valance lower his gun. But aha, he's got the power of the hand. Talk to the hand, bitch. Pow, like this, and uh, blast Vader Pow. in the face. Pow, like and uh, Vader looks like he's. I don't know, Gene Simmons at a Kiss concert, like with flames or something coming off of him? I don't know. His that might whole... arguably be my favorite panel of the book right there, that one of Vader on his knees with the with the flames coming off him. That I love that. I think that's actually really cool. Actually, he looks more like James Brown, like when James Brown goes down and gets tired. <laughs> <laughs> they come out and put a new cape on him, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They gotta, he's waiting for the stormtroopers to come out with a new cape. <laughs> Jump back. America. I would totally love myself. to hear Darth Vader go, I feel good. <laughs> <laughs> Jump back. Kiss myself. It's a cis world. <laughs> that was terrible. Living in America. <laughs> Burning on the moose to far. Gotcha. He didn't talk like that on the Man, I am do- I'm pulling bills left and right here. <laughs> Got to get me some... Ah, uh, never mind. I was- <laughs> Synopsize, damn it! Synopsize. Awesome. Oh, come on. Okay, so well, let's let's see if we could drag this on longer. <laughs> yeah, seriously, let's make it an eight-parter. Vader goes to leap leap towards him, but Valence blows out the wood deck below him. But hey, Vader just leaps right over it, having the force gets a metal fist to the face, to which Valence gets a lightsaber to, to the chest. That is not my favorite panel. Him jumping over the over the bridge. <laughs> you gotta be kidding me! Oh, I love that. Really, don't you don't know. like I just, that? I was just waiting for chance to use that joke and i oh. ruined it i went to the wrong panel <laughs> damn it so vader gets a krong to the face and valence hits a shrack to the chest krong. that's what it says krong it does yeah kring krong <laughs> so vader turns and calls out tyler lucian tyler lucian and uh valence grips him with the death grip on his ankle and uh you know it says why are you sacrificing yourself why are you hitting yourself why are you <laughs> So, and he tells him his idea that, you know, maybe that, that, you know, Luke, Luke and the rebellion can form a better world where he can be accepted. And, and if he delays him even a little bit, that Luke will grow stronger. And actually Tyler Lucian hears these words too and watches as Valence uh, first flips himself off of the dock and begins to pull Vader down off of the dock himself. And uh, Valence's one, one leg is already, uh, most likely his metallic leg, uh, but it's hard to tell at this point, is in the acid and is bur- is burning, and Vader is, you know, doing the Looney Tunes finger drag across the dock, which is kind of, well, not really a callback, because, you know, because we saw Yoda do that in uh, Episode 3 when he was fighting the Emperor in, uh, in the Senate. Remember yep. when he dug his claws into the thing? Yep. So, but... Vader reaches down with his saber and cuts off Valence's hand, and bloop, 
that is the end of Valence the Hunter, and it's. Ah, wish wish they could have had more stories with him. But, and as um, Tyler Lucian looks on, the man who could not face a Death Star finds the courage that has so long deserted him, and we see a motion line and a little poof in the fire as Vader looks on, and Valence's hand is sitting underneath him, giving him the bird. That last shot looks like somebody's peeing off the tower into the into the uh, acid. <laughs> yeah. I just realized how much that tower looks like the tower outside of the islands uh, of adventure. Well, I yeah. thought of that as I was paging through this, actually. That's funny. Mm. So then we return back to the ship with the squat-headed stormtroopers, and um, uh, Vader hears two of them talking about, you know, one guy says, I, I can't wait to get out of this armor. Been in so long, I feel like a blasted Borg or worse. And Vader in a dick move says, oh, by the way, keep everybody on high alert. And all personnel will remain in full armor. <laughs> and a long search begins again. Next issue, A Princess Alone. And that is Valence the Hunter. Or that was Valence the Hunter. I kind of look at Valence. I, I don't know if they did it on purpose. It doesn't even look a lot like Nick Fury. Yeah, especially in that one really shot that you guys were talking about with them facing off. Yeah. Where you kind of see him from behind. Yeah, yeah, he sure does. Yeah, because he's got the gray temples, and then if you just yeah. put an eye patch over his eye, or well, he's kind of got cyborg that, Reed Richards. I was gonna say that That's cyborg, the, that the kind of this face half laid off in that red spot where his eye is, kind of actually, I think, <laughs> lends itself even more to that idea <laughs> by not having a real eye on that side of his head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've always thought that because his outfit is is very much like the outfit that um, Fury wore in the in the early spy days. You know, when when they yeah. were doing the the early spy version of nick fury yeah i've always thought that since i was a kid that he looked like nick fury yeah Va- valence had a long run because he was introduced what back in issue 17 16 i think it was yeah yeah like 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 a two-part 17 story it, 16 7 and then he was in 21 yeah. um and uh, then there was an issue i want to say it might have been 20 26 or 27 is the one where he finally catches Return up of the with Hunter, yeah and he's intent on killing Luke. He's going to take him out. And C-3PO basically steps between him and, and Luke and says, you're, you know, basically, you're not going to kill my master. And that's kind of the turning point for this character where he, he's kind of swayed, essentially, by 3PO's love for Luke, which sounds a little weird. That That's, yeah. I mean, I love this character, but that's, of, of his... Four, I think there's essentially four, four yeah, stories. Of, of the four, that's my least favorite one. This is my most favorite one. I love this story. Yeah, it was 16, 21, 27, and 29. Then there's been a bunch of other sources and other material and games and stuff like that and mm-hmm. magazines that he's mentioned. But his, his four primary appearances were here in Star Wars. And it's the, you know, it was a nice character that was introduced in the comics. And there's a lot of good characters in, in these books. Mm-hmm. So I mean, this is this is one of the first characters I'll always point to for those people that that have a really low opinion of this material from from Marvel on Star Wars or that think it's nothing but green rabbits, you know, right? Because, yes, you know, it, it had its green rabbit phase and, and, and I won't deny it and I don't shy away from it. But at the same rate. It's so much more than that. And and this is a great character, I think, to to kind of represent that because I'm I'm kind of of two minds about Valence. On the one hand, I, I agree with a lot of people that say 
you know, it's such a shame that, you know, such a cool character is, is kind of done away with so quickly in this story and, and that there wasn't more of him because he's such a cool character. He can kind of hold his own with Vader and all that. And I, I, there's part of me that agrees with that. But at the other hand, one of the reasons I think that this is such a strong story is that this is it. This is, this is all we ever get of him. And I think that makes, that gives him a certain Boba Fett quality, if you know what I mean, where he's, mm-hmm. he's pretty damn cool and he has a lot of potential, but this is pretty much all you ever get out of him. And I, and I like that, you know, for, for a brief moment, this guy comes as close as anybody does to taking Vader off the table. That part in the story where he decides he's going to, he's going to sacrifice himself, but damn it, he's taking Vader with him and he grabs a hold of Vader and is basically dragging him off the dock. I love that. You know, I could actually I could see that moment in a movie because that's pretty exciting stuff. You know, he's he's being dragged to his own doom, but he's pulling Vader along with him. And that shot of Vader just like desperately crutching, you know, clutching the, the deck and digging his fingers. I, I love that. I think it's good stuff. I really like this. I've always thought this was a really uh, solid story. Yeah, because God knows Crimson Jack wouldn't last long as Vader. <laughs> <laughs> stupid shorts. <laughs> I'm very curious what you guys all thought of it. I like the story a lot. I think you're right on that. I agree with you on on all the the story beats that it hit. But I, I I'm sorry. I think the art is shit. Wow. Uh, the the I agree with you guys on the non people. The shot on page three of of the uh, of the ship and of the city. They look great. The shot uh, on page eleven where they show the uh, the lava and everything. That's all. That's really cool too. But anytime there's a person on the panel, I think it looks like crap. Vader looks so unimpressive. He, he's got like fat person double chin. <laughs> his his suit is like all baggy. I, I don't know. I, I I really think the people look terrible in this book. So I will admit he. I don't think he ever really did draw a good Vader. So but for I'm, some reason, Valance looks really good in a lot of these shots. And uh, well, Luke looks porky or beefy, if you will. Yeah, Luke suffered from looking like uh, Thundar the Barbarian for most of Infantino's run, unfortunately. One, one thing I'll say in, in Infantino's defense, and it's it's something of a lame defense, but I'm going to give it anyway, is that he didn't get much opportunity to draw Vader because you have to remember, Vader was not used much uh, in this series. Um, this is one of his... One of, if not the... No, it's not the first. I was going to say it might be the first, but no, I forgot about the wheel storyline. But this is one of uh, his very few um, appearances. Yeah, because you you got this, the the wheel. Up until just before Empire was coming out, they finally seemed to kind of, you know, slack off on the reins a little bit and let Marvel play with Vader a little bit more. But Vader wasn't in it much, which is another reason that at the time, like when this was brand new when I was a kid, this was so damn exciting because you weren't getting a lot of Vader, and typically when you got him, you got little glimpses of him. He was looking for Luke, or he was pursuing the Rebels, or whatever, but you got little glimpses where he wasn't really doing much. He was just kind of that sinister cackling villain in the background. Suddenly in this story, we're getting badass Vader. You know, he's, he was... he's fighting with somebody, and you know, using his lightsaber, and using the Force, and that was exciting stuff because he was used very, very sparingly during this time. And I think a lot of that was by mandate from Lucasfilm. They were essentially saying, you can't play with this character. 
And this was one of the opportunities they got to take him out of the toy box and play with him for a little bit. And, you know, I, I think it was used to great effect. I, I mean, I agree with you in a lot of instances that he is not on model by any stretch of the imagination, but I don't know. It's hard for me to be objective because, I mean, I've loved this shit since I was a kid, so it's really hard for me to to look at it and, and be critical of it. But, I mean, at the same rate, I agree with you. He's not on model by any stretch, but I'll argue that he's not imposing. I think there's several panels of him where even you know with his weird-looking helmet and, and baggy clothes, he's, he still strikes a pretty imposing figure. Well, That's, like the opening splash where he's got the torture probe. That's kind of a weird shot to try to draw, too. The right up from the bot for the you know the crotch shot you start right out with the cover look i mean which should be a great cover in its own way look at fader's face and his head and again he's got the the, the he triple look, chin he looks like a pug he looks like a the breath mask doesn't come out far enough it's but like that whole beetlejuice thing where they powdered him with the head shrinking stuff but only his mask shrunk <laughs> <laughs> oh you guys are killing me i love this cover <laughs> i think i don't think vader looks good on it i i you know, I'm sorry. Uh, it gets better. Got to call it as I see it. When when Vader, because I always, the beginning of this issue um, where he's interrogating the rebel, I always get it confused with an issue that's later that off the top of my head, I can't remember what issue number it is, but I always misremember it that this was the moment he learned about Luke Skywalker. And of course, right, it's the planet of the flowers and he's, and he's holding he's the guy up. To find out. Yes, that one that comes along later. I, I want to say that issue is 30. It's 30 something. I forget. It's not too many more issues later. But the very first, I think it's the very first panel in that book. It's a beautiful splash of, of Vader on this planet that looks a lot like Felucia. And it's all beautiful right. flowers and everything all around him. And he's he's just slaughtered all these rebels and there's one left alive. And that's the one he learns Luke Skywalker. That's not the Michael Golden one, is it? No, no, it's, it's a Carmine Infantino. And I would argue that that (laughs) I think think Carmine Infantino's art is best when Michael Golden does it. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Did they ever work together? I don't think so. But, uh, that, that one's fantastic. I'll see if I can find a picture and share it uh, in the chat so you can see what I'm talking about. That one I think is fantastic. But of course, you know, he, he's getting, you know, more practice drawing the character at that point. And then well, he does it in, the, I, I don't think in the third problems. law, which, which Matt covered on, uh, Star Wars in character. Hey, you guys did the, you guys did the dramatic that. reading. Or, yep. Yeah, that's not one to bring up to try to defend Infantino <laughs> on, on Vader. <laughs> I'm, I'm not. I'm not willing to give him a pass on lack of practice. I mean, there's a, there was enough enough material to work off of just with you know with Star Wars to have to put up together a good character model if he was going to work at it. So no, I'm not giving him a pass on that. Um, I'm sorry. I just don't, you know I keep coming back to it. I don't <laughs> like the art. I think the story's really good. I don't like the art. Matt, we haven't heard your opinion on this. Um, well, first, Scott, I don't know if you realize that it's pronounced Infantino, according to Bill. <laughs> <laughs> You're driving me nuts saying it the other way that whole time. But uh, uh, thanks, Matt. The sto- story-wise, I've I read all these as a kid, and I, I've over time forgotten if it didn't involve one of my favorites, Luke Han or Boba Fett, I forgot it. So it was nice reading this again because I had no memory of it. So I like the story. I'm I'm gonna I'm more towards the side of Paul with the art. It. it I don't think I dislike it as much as him, but it's the inconsistency is what drives me nuts. It's it, it, each character looks different in each time he draws them when I really look at it. But it didn't. The story caught my attention enough that I didn't notice that until going through it again to try to come up with some points to talk about. 
on the when we did while we're doing the show right now. And that that's the thing that the first thing I saw was that wow, each character looks different every time they're in the panel. And C three PO and R two T two, forget it. Oh my god, they're messing this. <laughs> yeah, R 2s like God, he's just way too low to the ground. Yep. He's like he's 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 put on some weight or something. I don't know. <laughs> well he was Look. damaged very badly in issue twenty six and so this is you know he's been outfitted with like a low rider model. C three PO looks like he's right. wearing grandma jeans. <laughs> one thing that <laughs> beep 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 one thing that had occurred to me just now as we were talking about it is that the, the something about Luke, I couldn't pinpoint what it was about him until I think Paul, you said he was, was it Paul or Scott that said he's a Thunder of the Barbarian version of yeah, this? Yeah, that was Scott. It looked, now I know what it was that he reminded me of. He reminded me of the like late 90s Power of the Force 2 action figures version of Luke. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I used to call that Buff Luke. Yeah, yeah there you go. Yep. Yep. He, he'd but, spent most of the late 80s and early 90s working out. Yeah, yeah. He was on roids. So, I mean, this, despite my what I what I said about the the art, the story alone for me, I really enjoyed. So I didn't really until like I said, didn't notice until I went back to actually try to see what I could comment on. So I guess that's I guess that's a good. I'm trying to say it's a good thing. If they had ever done this as one of those audio books, that's more of an audio drama. Don't you think this would kick a lot of? I think yes. it's great. Yep, this would be. It is all a, about the story. I think this would be a sound engineer's dream for a one-off star wars thing the setting the the fight uh the the blasting of the that bridge and then the mm-hmm. the 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 ending of the the sizzling and boiling and just a fun and the saber of him cutting in his hand off you could have so much fun with that scene alone oh yeah valances mm-hmm. servos and yep. oh yeah, yeah yep that'd be some awesome stuff i'm not doing that <laughs> <laughs> so this came out in november of 79 when did when did uh James Cameron, The Terminator, come out. 84. 84. 84. Hmm. I wonder if he got any inspiration from Valance. He looks kind of Terminator-ish. Yeah, that side of his face gone with the red eye. It sure does. Yeah. Could be. Bum, 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 bum. <laughs> do, 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 do. And he's lowered into... That's well, true. Not... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he gives a thumbs up as he falls in. <laughs> I know not why you cry. <laughs> oh, God. You can't go. I I order you. Oh, <laughs> stop it. That was like when you were leaving uh, Long Island. Oh, no. that's right. That's <laughs> right. Well, and I think we I think we we pretty much hit the point of rating the book. All right. I think so. It's, it's Bill's book. All right. For the cover. Uh, yeah, Vader's off model. I like the shot. This has always been one of my favorite covers. I'm going to give this a B plus, even with the funky Vader face. Um, So the interior, yeah, it's up and down. Some of the models aren't consistent, but it picks it up on other ones. So I'm still going to squeak out the interior art. I'm going to give it a I'm going to give it a B minus on the interior art. Then the story, I just have to give the story an A because I just love this from back when I was a kid. I don't think there's anything wrong with the story and the whole deal with how Valance has come full circle where he used to work for the Empire and now he's against it and he's sacrificing himself for Luke's benefit. So I, I have to give it an A. So it's going to be, I guess I would average out to a B plus for the book overall for me. 
Why do you say that as if it's a question? You're the one reading the book. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, because I'm just thinking it in my head. I'm trying to average the but to, to hell with you. It's a B plus. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you can't do fractions. <laughs> it's a B quarter. Oh, God. Who wants to go next? I'll go, because my opinion doesn't really matter. Well, everybody, every, <laughs> oh. every sperm is sacred. Okay, there you go. The cover, I'm just, yeah, I'm not... I really didn't take a good look at it until we started discussing it. And the thing that's driving me nuts now that I can't stop looking at is that the blade on Vader's lightsaber looks like it was cut off another issue and pasted on this one <laughs> with that like weird black border. So I can only really give that, I guess, a... although it's the scene dark but, saber, but, yeah, but that true. is consistent with how it is in the book. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, the, that doesn't mean the it's inside. good. At least this was in the 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 issue because that ever since listening to this show, I don't know which one of you said it first. That it drives you nuts that when it's not the cover is not something that takes place in the comic. I can't help but not look at that now. And so at least this is there. So I'm not going to be too bad on it and say it's a C. Uh, the artwork inside, I'm going to stick with a C as well because even though I wasn't a fan of it, it at least didn't distract me while reading it. So I can't really give it a bad grade. I can just give it an average grade. And I'm right there with Bill with the story. It's an A. So I guess that's probably about a... Uh, what's what's that math, Bill? About a B minus? Two C's uh, and an A? Yeah, sure. We'll say B minus. All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go next because Scott loves this book so much, I'll let him go last. <laughs> uh, Scott will pull the nose up on this one. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be the Debbie Downer, so I'll let Scott come in, <laughs> come in and lift it back up after I'm done. I'm liking this idea of getting together again for Eternal Con more and more, so just so I can slap the shit out of you when I get up there. <laughs> That's all right. I'm going to be training. It'll be a grudge match. <laughs> Two old bastards. It'll be like that fighting up where we both lift something over our heads to smack the other person. We're like, oh, my back. I can't straighten up. <laughs> All right. So now, uh, the first thing that jumps out at me is, is why is he wearing shocking pink on the cover? Anybody have an answer to that one? He's man enough. He's confident in his sexuality. He can wear pink if he wants to. But that's not the color of his clothes. Now I gotta go through every frame and see if I see any hint of pink, or every panel. Damn it. You let me know. I I don't think you're gonna find any. Nope. Nope, because when he takes his brown cloak off it's that is blue You're whose right. outfit does that because that somebody in comics wears an outfit that looks like that every time i see this cover i think damn i i've seen that somewhere it's a lot like never, adam strange yes. sun uh sun boy maybe uh i don't adam know strange. now his is red no I mean, with that, with pretty much like that color scheme and everything, there is a comics character with an outfit like that that I, I just fuchsia man. Is it Brainiac Five? It's it's actually kind of like Brainiac Five. Mm, I don't remember his outfit being hot pink, but whatever. It's it's like a combination of like Brainiac Five and like Deathlock or something. That's <laughs> that's a winning combo every time. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to start off with I'm not crazy about the, about the coloring. Uh, and I, the biggest thing, my eye is just drawn to, to Darth Vader's Jabba the Hutt throat. Oh, jeez. Yeah, now I can't stop looking at it either. I, I, uh, yeah, every time I look at it, that my eye is just drawn to that. It looks horrible with, with the, the giant white the flare at the leg. bottom of his helmet, like like he's out of space balls. It, he's got it's the samurai balls. helmet. I, I think... I. I could get by the adenoids are acting up. Give the guy a break. But I think Vader. I think Vader looks like shit on the cover. So I think it's an otherwise well set up cover. I do like, as Matt said, that it shows something that happens in the comic. But I can't 
forgive the Vader picture, so I'm going to go with C- minus on the cover. The interior art, I'm not going to be as nice about. Because <laughs> uh, you, you were just a saint when it came to the cover. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I, I Honestly, looking at the people, I, I'm tempted to give the interior art an F. I, I really dislike the way the people are drawn within it. Come it's, on. It's, it's not it's, an F. Come ouch. on. Excuse me. This is my rating. Come on. <laughs> don't bullshit me. I'm allowed, to, I'm allowed to give it. You know what? It's Fs all around. Yeah. You happy F now? F you. No. Uh, it, it, the the interior art, as far as I'm concerned, is saved by the panels that don't have people in them. And and when I say people, I'm including droids because they look like shit too. Uh, the 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 panels that have spaceships and the panels that have just kind of scenescape in them look good. But anytime there's people in them, they look like shit. They're really a poorly drawn. I think it's terrible. So I'm gonna give I'm gonna give the interior art a D. I I, I think it's really bad. On the other hand, I'm in agreement with I'm in agreement with everyone else on the story, and I think it's an A. I think there's an excellent story that's brought down by the artwork. So I'm going to give the book a B minus overall. If I use my iPad <laughs> rather than my desktop to Google how to send a bomb in the mail, I'll still wind up on some sort of chat on watch list. Yes, right? yes. Damn it! Need to use Bill's phone. What? <laughs> <laughs> what? That was my Vader. Ah. <laughs> <sighs> Are you done raping my childhood now, Mr. Lucas? <laughs> I'm done. Hey, I gave it a B minus. That says how much I thought of the story. Uh, all right. <sighs> Let's see if I can be somewhat objective here. I, you but can't. I, I love this cover. <laughs> I do. I will acknowledge the off model quality of, of Darth Vader, both on the cover and throughout the issue, but it doesn't prevent me from still loving it. I, I love this cover. I mean, your definition of an A or or maybe it's an A-plus cover is being iconic. I see this as iconic because this, to me, is one of those covers that's very representative of the overall Marvel Star Wars run. And so for that reason alone, I, I think it really brings up. I really enjoy the cover. Yeah, Vader looks a little wonky. You know, his helmet looks a little funny, but you have to... I mean, I try to put it in the context of that this was still that early kind of like frontier days of Star Wars. And Vader often looked a little bit wonky in, in a lot of the stuff that, you know, where it was where it was illustrated versions of him. So I don't know. I, maybe I tend to give it a little more leeway because of that. Um, I don't know. I mean, for me, this is this is an A, maybe even an A-plus cover. I just, I, I love it. I, I think it's just a fantastic cover. This was one of those ones that just, you know, I mean, I was already buying the title. I was already a devoted, uh, you know, reader of the title, but even if I wasn't, I mean, this is one of those kind of covers that just kind of would would have leapt off the the rack, you know, when I was a kid to go, oh, geez, you got to buy me. It just looked awesome because I, you know, I I knew who Valance was, and just to see him back, and now he's actually battling Darth Vader. That's some that's just some exciting stuff. So I don't know. I I love the cover. Um, interior art is a little bit harder to grade because. Despite my love for it, and I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm no Infantino fan necessarily, and I'm not even really an Infantino apologist. It's weird. It's much like Bill said. Outside of Marvel Star Wars, you know, I tend to kind of shy away from Infantino, and I've never been kind about his run on The Flash. I find that some really, you know, badly drawn comics. And it's not all that different from this. But again, I think a lot of it, I give it a pass because this was how Star Wars looked in the comics when I was a kid. So 
it's kind of hard to see it any other way. Um, that said, it did frequently suffer from the fact that none of the principal characters really looked like the principal characters. Luke never looked good under Infantino. Luke never looked like Luke. He never looked like, you know, even remotely like Mark Hamill. And he frequently, I think, looked like a girl. Because if you look, uh, there's a really good example of that. Page 17, that first panel when Dodonna, it almost looks like Dodonna's giving him a dressing down. He looks like a pouty girl right there. That does not look like a man. And then the next panel after the second panel where Dodonna has his hand on Luke's back, he looks emaciated or something. You know, like he's, you know, like, <laughs> I don't know, he looks like an old man or something. It just looks really weird. So yeah, it is, it is a bit wonky and it, it is inconsistent, but it's what star Wars looked like, you know, in the comics at that time. So it's kind of, I don't know. I, I just, I tend to cut a lot of slack with it. Um, a lot of it is that Infantino, I think is a fantastic layout man. And by this point, you know, he, he was a little late in his career, maybe even getting late in years. So I, I think that had something to do with it. And as much as I like Bob Wyacek, the inker, this was Wyacek, um, by his own admission in kind of a weird phase where he was doing a lot of experimental stuff. And you can see that in some of the inking decisions he made in the book, some of which I think actually hurt Infantino rather than, than helping him out. It's why some of the, um, some of the printing looks a, a little muddy because I've seen this recently reprinted and recolored and it, it actually looks much cleaner than, you know, how it looks here in its original, original printing. So I don't know. I mean, I think there's a number of factors at work, but overall having to give it a grade. Um, I don't know. I, I would still be very tempted to give it a pretty high grade. I think I would actually give it, um, I think I'd give it like a, a B possibly a B plus because I, I really like it. I think it's, uh, I think it's dynamic. I think it's exciting. I, I like, uh, how Vader looks despite being off model. I still think he cuts a very imposing figure. And, uh, and I really like it. about the only thing Infantino ever did, that I really couldn't stand with his Star Wars run is I never liked the way he drew people holding um, guns, especially like pistols. <laughs> they always hold them awkward, like they had their like their wrists were broken or something. He, he just never could quite get the handle of how it looked when somebody would actually hold a pistol in their hand. It, it, they always looked bizarre to me, and his stormtroopers always looked. They hold the guns like Rick weird. holds it on The Walking Dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They go. do. Yeah, very awkwardly, and. Uh, you know, the other thing that keeps it from being a higher grade is, you know, I'm not blind to when he he has outright just mistakes in the art. And if you look at page three, that second panel, the middle panel with that Star Destroyer. Now, I don't know a lot about art, but I do know the concept of vanishing point and how that perspective is supposed to work when you're doing a perspective shot. Now, that Star Destroyer, the top and the bottom of that Star Destroyer have two different vanishing points yeah. for the same object. Doesn't friggin' work. Which page is that? It's page three, that middle panel of the Star Destroyer in orbit, where Vader You're is right. going to name Rebel. Start with the name. You see that looks one? Like the, the top of it stops like like 20 meters short of where the bottom keeps going. <laughs> yeah, it's that. Yeah, that's yeah, not proper perspective at by any stretch. So it just looks bizarre. Well, yeah. I need to change my grade. Thanks for pointing that out, Scott. <laughs> I'm, going, I'm, I'm back to an F. <laughs> then you look at the panel below that, and that's classic Infantino, like from you know from his days with um, 
you know, with the space stuff for, for, uh, didn't he, he did a lot of, if, correct me if I'm wrong, wasn't he, uh, the guy that did a lot of like the Adam Strange, like Adventures in Ron type of thing? Have I got the wrong guy? I'm thinking of like Strange Adventures, I that sort of right. stuff for DC. I know what and you that, think of, I'm just not sure who the artist was in that. But I mean, that's, you know, that, that futuristic city looks real, that's dynamic, and I really like that. So it, it is, it is inconsistent, and I totally agree. I always did love his aliens, though. The aliens in the bar, I think, are great. I always loved Infantino's aliens. They didn't necessarily look like the aliens we'd seen in the cantina, but they evoked that same kind of feeling of just, you know, the weird aliens. And he, I don't know. I think that one guy with the two lumps on his head. Kind yeah, the Godot looks like very... You could, it's probably not the same character, but you can identify him as the same species as the one in Miss Eisley. Mm-hmm. Or shamans, whatever you want to call it. Right. So I don't know. I, I, I'm going to stick with... I'll stick with a B. Because, I mean, there's definitely room for improvement. But I, I do like it. I really enjoy the art. And then the story. I, I'm going to give the story a straight up A+. I think it's a damn good story. I've always liked this. And I like that it, it kind of built to this over time. Because, I, I, you know, you don't really see it coming. But then when it finally happens that these two characters confront each other, it, it I, I just think it's great. I think it's exciting stuff. So... There you go. What's that average out to? B, I guess. I'd say overall B book. It's funny how how how, how differently we got to <laughs> to our grades, and you're a B and I'm a B minus. There you go. That's Bill's fault. But, but you know the thing is that, that to me that's a good you know it's a good thing is uh, you know everybody's view of art and art meaning literature you know the whole form. You know, it's very, very subjective. Everybody's entitled to have their own oh, opinion, true. no matter how wrong Scott is. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you beat me to it. Well, one other thing I wanted to point out before we move on to the next book. Um, I cannot believe I'm about to say this, but six years ago, Chris Honey and I, uh, Honeywell and I covered this book on Star Wars Monthly Monday, episode wow. number 75. So... If you're curious on uh, what we thought of the book at that time, go back and hunt that old episode up. Man, I cannot believe it's been that long ago. But yeah, six freaking years. That was Star Wars Monthly Monday number 12. That's crazy. Episode 75 of Two True Freaks. And uh, our next episode uh, to record, anyway, is number 500 already, if you can believe that. So that's crazy. I can believe it because it's been the next episode. It's 500 has been coming up for quite some time now. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. I've had time to come to grips with it. It's 2013. <laughs> Did that's we do a bit for that like two months ago? Yeah. yeah well, the, the question is what gets to 500 first, TTF or BTTB? Yeah. We're at 220. <laughs> And climbing. <laughs> ah, it's right around the corner. Well, are we ready for the next book? We are, and you're yep. on the hot seat. Can you do I as good a synopsis as Bill? Um, you can't yeah. not. So, <laughs> what'd you say? I said you can't not. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So here's the thing with this: is that I'm not really doing a specific issue so much as I'm kind of doing a part of a storyline. So I kind of need to set up the scenario here. So I want to talk about a specific character. Um, and, and this is really an honor of, of Matt joining us tonight. And the fact that they don't really cover EU characters on their show. You know, the, the, the whole thing with, with Star Wars and characters, covering characters that have been on screen in some form of Star Wars in you know in, in a video presentation whether it's the, the you know the seven movies or uh clone wars or the the holiday special or you guys have even covered the ewok movies at this point right 
Well, I mean, some characters end up being in them. We don't right. act, we hadn't actively tried to, but yes, yes, it's right. But right. essentially, nothing, with the exception of that that one uh, episode uh, of Darth Crate, you know, right. which was uh, kind of a listener request type of thing. You know, nothing where it's just a character that exists just in literature or you know comics or the books or something like that. Right. Yeah, so not at this point, I mean, we'll, we'll probably have to someday if we want to keep doing the show. But yeah, we're trying to keep it. Some kind of something, some somehow, some way, even if it's just a sometimes, even just a name mentioned, has we try to bring it back to one of the movies somehow, right? So, this is this has long been a favorite storyline of mine, and uh, and I really was looking forward to, to talking about this because this does uh feature a character that started out as strictly like an EU character, but then there's a great reveal later on, and I'll get to all that. So anyway, this character, comic book-wise, sorta first appeared in Star Wars Empire number 16, and he was in a three-issue story arc, and we meet this character, and his name is Janik Sunbear, and he's an Imperial officer, and he's on this scouting expedition to this planet, uh, Meriden, at least I'm assuming that's how you pronounce it. Essentially, this is the planet of the um, Amanaman. It's pronounced in... Infanito, by the way, Chris. Or, uh, by the way, Scott. What is that? Infanito. That's how you say it. <laughs> <laughs> so, in short, that's what that whole storyline was about, was that he was just part of this Imperial detachment that goes to the planet where the, all, all the Amanamans live. And the quickly, <laughs> you really come to like this character because you realize that, yes, he's an Imperial, but he's like the only one of all these guys uh, of this detachment that's not a complete asshole. And he's actually, he, he's a very likable character. And it's it, over the course of that original three-issue story arc, you come to really like this guy. And I thought that the storyteller did a, a masterful job of making you like him, but almost be uncomfortable with liking him because, again, at the end of the day, he's an Imperial. So you kind of find yourself in this weird position of rooting for this guy that you really should be like, man, I hope he gets it. And he doesn't. At the end of the story, and I, and I don't want to give too much away because I'm hoping folks will hunt it up, uh, but at the end of the day, he he is he's either the sole survivor or one of the few survivors of the battle. And he gets this battlefield promotion at the time and everything. But then when he winds up back at his regular post, there's like this imperial tribunal where they essentially strip him of his uh, battlefield promotion because there was nobody left alive that would confirm that he actually deserved it, essentially. And that was kind of the beginning of the chink in this guy's armor as far as his true devotion to the Empire. It was kind of the thing that first started him on the route of, kind of doubting, like, you know, is the Empire all it's really cracked up to be? Because look what they did to me. I was utterly devoted. I could have died in service to them, and then they screwed me. And so that was kind of the first thing with him. And then we don't see him for a while. And that was the the great thing about the, the series Star Wars Empire was that it was all focused on the Imperials. And there were storylines that kind of weaved in and out, some focused on Darth Vader and some focused on other characters. But this guy after that initial three-issue uh, story arc, um, would sometimes be focused in these stories as well. So then again, you know, starting later, there was a second storyline that featured him, and this one was a five-story 
or five issue story arc. And this is the story arc that actually ended up closing out um, Star Wars Empire. And it was a story called The Wrong Side of the War. And in this story, Vader had managed to capture this imperial, or excuse me, this rebel that was very important to the rebels because it had something to do with, I don't know, he was a mathematical genius or something that was important for uh, determining like the routes the rebels would use for the, you know, transporting their ships or something like that. And anyway, so they've gotten a hold of this guy. So that's kind of the, one of the background stories. There's actually several different stories going on in this one story. Now the rebels in the meantime have gotten together the strike force that have come to the station where Sun Bear is stationed and they're coming there to basically sabotage the station. So there's that going on at the same time. And then eventually they, they also end up staging a rescue mission for this captured rebel. While all that's going on, we're kind of like getting caught up on what's been going on with Sun Bear as a character. And again, discovering that, you know, he's a really likable guy. We like him despite the fact that he's an Imperial. And we're discovering that, again, he's finding out things about the Empire that are making him increasingly uncomfortable with how the Empire operates. He realizes that the guy that's essentially like his best friend and roommate is actually a real asshole. And he actually, in one part, stops him from raping one of the prisoners that's supposed to be under his... I won't say protection, but, you know, that, that he's in charge of. So Sunbear is, is becoming increasingly uncomfortable with, with how things are operating. So at the end of issue 38, which is the third chapter in this five-issue story arc, we catch up with Luke. And Luke Skywalker is actually one of the members of this rebel strike force that's landed on this base and they're all disguised as Imperial officers to be able to move freely amongst the base to sabotage it, essentially. And we see Luke catches up with one of his fellow rebel, uh, rebel officers. She's actually disguised as an Imperial officer as well. And they meet up and Luke is uh, you know, talking to her about you know, the fact that uh, the, the guy, that the rebel officer that's kind of leading this mission, he's getting worried about them and all. And he's talking to her. And they watch basically most of the Imperial garrison leave in these Imperial shuttles because they set up this decoy to basically take most of the soldiers away so that the rebels can complete their mission. They basically sent them on a wild goose chase. And so Luke and this lady are, are watching this happen. And Luke says, it looks like your part of the mission was a success. They practically empty, uh, emptied the base of troopers. And Sunbear is walking up. You, we see him walking up behind them as they're standing there watching these ships fly away. And Luke kind of puts his arm around the, the girl and he says, well, we should get back to the ship, give the captain a full report. And you see Sunbear suddenly recognize Luke Skywalker. And he says, Luke? Luke Skywalker? And Luke has this awesome look that, that Sunbear can't see because Luke's back is to Sunbear. But we as the reader are given the perspective of looking at, looking at Luke and this woman head on. And they have, they both have this look on their face like, Oh shit, we've been, we've been recognized. So Luke turns around and he sees this Imperial officer and the, and you know, again, it's Sunbear and Sunbear says, it is you. I'd know that walk anywhere. He goes, but I never expected to see it here. He goes, how are you? How long has it been? And this was the moment that made this story for me because I already liked this Sun Bear guy. You know, you'd been following over the over the course of several story arcs and everything, but this is the moment where you get that big reveal. 
and Luke looks at him and they, and they kind of, you know, they're, they're reuniting after all this time. And Luke says, tank says tank. I guess it's been a while. And that was the cliffhanger ending for issue 38, where you realize that this was the other of Luke's old childhood friends that we'd heard up to this point. Tank was just a name that was tossed out in the original star Wars. When Luke was complaining to uncle Owen about, you know, he wanted to leave and go to the Academy like, like Biggs and tank had done. So tank had just been a name up to this point, but now, you know, a, a face has been given to this. And that's one of the things I really like about this is because, you know, Matt and, and the guys, their whole shtick on Star Wars and characters, obscure characters, how more friggin' obscure can you get than somebody that all we ever got was a name? Yep. You know, and that's one, all this guy line. ever was. And and now he has a story. And, uh, and I really like this. So, um, again, not really covering the entire issue, but kind of, sort of. The issue I'm kind of bringing to the table with this would actually be star the next issue, Star Wars Empire number 39, which is the next to last issue. And I'm not going to do a full synopsis of this because to me, the relevant part of the story, the, the thing that I really wanted to be a hook in talking about this is actually the moments in the book that are strictly between Tank and Luke. So Tank and Luke, they, they talk and uh, they're kind of reconnecting and everything. And of course, Tank has no idea what's happening here. To his mind, Luke is a fellow Imperial officer because that's how he's dressed. And so they're talking and they're kind of catching up and every everything. And Luke is being, he's answering Tank's questions, but he's being kind of evasive on specific answers. And then kind of the big moment comes where Tank says, you know, well, whatever happened to Biggs? He goes, uh, did you ever run into him? I know he made pilot. And then Luke has to tell him Biggs is dead. And Tank seems to take that really hard. And uh, he asked Luke what happened. And again, Luke is kind of vague with the specifics. He just says he was shot down uh, by an enemy fighter above Yavin 4. And this is one of the moments I really like about this, because at this time, you know, despite how some people feel about, you know, the EU that existed, you know, before it got scrapped and now they're, you know, filling in the holes again and everything. I always liked the idea that the Death Star was actually a big secret, that not, you know, it, it wasn't well known that the Death Star existed or that it had been there. And this reaction from Tank kind of reinforces that. He says, uh, I heard about that, something big. The higher-ups won't talk about it, some kind of new space station or something. So even amongst their own people, the Death Star was actually a secret. So it, it wasn't you know, this, this big thing that everybody knew about. I always kind of liked it that way. So they continue to talk and everything. And over the course of this issue, Luke starts to get the sense that... Tank's not really down with everything that the Empire's doing. Tank basically comes right out and says this, that he's been uncomfortable with some things that he's seen, particularly when it comes to the fact that the Empire is using slaves, many of them human slaves, and that his own grandfather had been a slave. And this has just made Tank very uncomfortable. And Luke kind of seizes on this and sees this as an opportunity to maybe gain his friend's trust and maybe even try to turn him. And it actually seems like it's working up to a point where you can see by the, the great art in this book, the great facial expressions that Luke is kind of getting through to him, that Tank is really having to try to do a self-examination and, and really, you know, he, he's deciding, you know, am I really down with this or am I really comfortable with what this means? And, uh, 
you know, he in Tank is basically he kind of repeats a lot of the, his indoctrination into the Empire. But Luke asks him, you know, is he really down with this? Is he really comfortable with this? Uh, even if it means turning innocent people into slaves, and even if it means killing them, and that kind of stops Tank in his tracks, and you can see where he's really processing this all through. So eventually, this leads to Luke just outright inviting him, and he says, "You could join the rebellion." And that's kind of that big moment where Tank really realizes what is going on that they're not necessarily on the same side. And he says to Luke, he says, you're suggesting treason. And he's still sort of mulling it over and he's considering it, you know, this is his childhood friend and all that. And then he gets a call over his comlink saying that rebel agents have infiltrated the base because part of Luke's other team that he's there with, they've been found out. And so this is kind of the turning point of the issue where Tank realizes, oh my God, Luke, my friend, is a rebel. He's one of these people that have come here to sabotage the base. And that leads to them actually having a direct confrontation because Tank tries to take him in and Luke belts him, knocks him unconscious. And at the very end of the book, we see that Luke is really torn up over this. He even says, Tank, I'm sorry. And he leaves Tank uh, unconscious on the deck as he runs off to join the rest of the rebels. And that's kind of the cliffhanger ending for this issue. And then the series, this storyline and the series as a whole was wrapped up in the next issue. Uh, I don't want to spoil that except to say that it's a fantastic story that it does get concluded, but it also does continue because this whole thing with Tank uh, would become an ongoing story that would actually be resolved in the next incarnation when Star Trek, uh, excuse me, Star Wars rather, Empire became Star Wars Rebellion. So it goes to really some some interesting and exciting places where now suddenly you have Luke and uh, Tank uh, on opposite sides where they are. They're essentially, you know, their their childhood friends are practically brothers. But now it's almost like that classic Civil War story of, you know, blue and gray, you know, brothers in the Civil War that you know were actually on opposite sides kind of thing. And I love that dynamic. I, I think it's a really exciting story. Uh, I'm really curious what you guys thought of this. If if you wet, read just the one issue, or if you read the whole story. Well, I read the whole thing, <laughs> as we discussed earlier, because apparently I couldn't read the message sent along with the uh, <laughs> list of what we're covering tonight. But I did, I, uh, but for the better, because I really enjoyed it. Did you like it? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Now th- it's funny that you uh, again had I. Well, maybe it's better that I read the whole thing. But had I read what you were pinpointing what stuck out to me immediately was the whole tank thing i mean this is a perfect this is one of the most organic uh how do i want to say this the organic way one of these obscure characters have been put into a story that i've seen mm-hmm. in a lot of things we recovered because the, the line is, is that's what you said when biggs and tank left yeah and so we know tank was in the academy that's all we know about him but to see him at the stature he's at at the time of Luke's this time of Luke's life and his life and it, it all makes it all makes so much sense that there's there there is no explanation it's Luke tank and then we go from there everything falls into place it is so well written such a good use of that character that obscure character that reference of that line it's it just it's really really good now did you see this coming as you were nope. reading the- not yes. at all Nope. That's what I like about it. Is see, I read this. I I got this entire series out of back issue bins, out of out of like fifty cent bins. I, I got the whole series, and 
years after it had been published. I, I think by the time I discovered this, I think Rebellion was in its like last issues, on, you know, coming out on the stands. So I discovered it way late after it had already been published, and it was so great to read it and not have it spoiled for me. I, I didn't know the reveal. So okay. really coming to love this character in that first story arc and then following him and, and feeling kind of guilty that I liked him because he was a bad guy, essentially, and then getting that great reveal at the end of third. I mean, that just hit me really hard. Like, holy shit, what a great reveal. It's that tank was, the whole time. <laughs> That's another thing I liked about the character as well, is that you did like him because he was, even though he's on the bad side of the war, at least as far as the story goes, he is, everything he does in the Empire, in his mind, or not even his mind, everything that he does in the Empire is for the right reasons. Right. And he actually, well, you said it, he comes to the defense of a slave, even though they're a slave and they are a more of a tool than a person as far as the empire is concerned he still comes to her aid he is he's in the empire for the right reason he is vastly outnumbered but he is actually trying to do good in the empire which i think is a great part of this story i saw him very much in, i remember somebody uh, it may have been on your show i i really can't remember but i know at one point somebody posed a question that i never stopped to think about before but then when i did i'm like wow that is a great question which was, you know, there, there were, you know, Marvel used to, of course, do what if stories when we were kids. Right. And then a few years ago, Dark Horse did the Star Wars Infinity, which was essentially a Star Wars what yeah. if story. True. Yeah. And somebody posed the question, you know, what if Luke had gone to the Academy? How would that change Star Wars? If uh, Luke no, that... actually did go to the Academy and become an Imperial officer that's kind of how I see this story is that, yeah. yeah, you know, clearly Tank is his own character, but in so many ways, he's also like the other side of Luke Skywalker. So this is very much like Luke almost confronting himself. You've got Luke Skywalker, rebel hero, confronting Luke Skywalker, imperial officer in so many ways. And that's right. a hell of a good story. I, I like that. Yeah, yeah that I, is. I, that's exactly the way I saw it when I was reading it. And it's not the two sides of a coin it's really the same side just in a different situation yeah yeah and and i think that's that's a great thing and you don't see that often in in uh in in stories in movies in books whatever uh usually you see you know they're the total opposite number which that's not the case here they really are effectively you know they have the same background the same moral standards the same way of looking at life except yep. they've just been exposed to it a slightly different way as far as which is the right side and I and totally i love that agree. i you know yeah. it's it it shows just a depth of character for a supporting character that you don't normally see so i i agree with you i i i knew you were only covering one book but i read all of them even though i knew that <laughs> uh, and, I'm, and, and i'm glad i did you know, it's, it's it's almost like it was it was good that you gave us enough advance notice of what you were going to cover so that I had time to read it all. And, and you know, I, I, I really enjoyed this. The only thing and it, it, it's, it's really picking a nit. But the only thing that I don't like is by the very nature of what they're doing in these stories, they have to put Luke into all these situations. And here he is, you know, basically he's proven himself to be a terrific pilot because of what happened at Yavin. But he wouldn't be on every mission. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's right. the only thing. Like, like it's like, would he? Would they really have him going undercover and, and going on the uh, 
you know, going on on this this particular mission? Probably not. But yeah. it's, it's nitpicky. I'm gl- no, well, it, you know, it's really not though, and I'm I'm really glad you brought that up because it's something I meant to bring up and probably would have forgot to bring up is that I, I don't some Marvel wanna... Star Wars kind of does that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't want to sound like a hypocrite because I gave the first issue of the new Marvel Star Wars a lot of shit for doing that exact thing because it totally took me out of the story that. You know, the day after the Death Star, you've got Luke, Leia, and Han Solo are suddenly like the rebel commando team. And it's like, no, 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 no. You would not take this great rallying symbol, the rebel hero, the young rebel boy hero that destroyed the Death Star and send him on a suicide mission. So if I'm going to give them shit for doing it, I can't give this story a pass for doing it either, despite how much I love it. It still is a bit of a stretch. I totally agree with you. I'm in the I had the same idea. It's a very similar idea. Not I mean, not only you. Yes, most of the empire and they they make a point in this story to tell you that most of the empire didn't actually know about the Death Star, but enough did that you're not going to send the guy that blew up the Death Star <laughs> in as an imperial officer because there's a chance he will run into the one guy at that battle at that location that is in on the whole plan and might recognize him that's just you wouldn't do that right comes in like zero they're like hello there yeah right (laughs) well you know what my other big nitpick is on this and this is actually believe it or not this one's actually stands out to me even more than that one does and it it hit me from the very moment and i think i'm trying to remember which issue it is that first gives you the reveal of luke in the Imperial officer uniform. I'm flipping back through it real quick to see if we get that. I think it's actually in the, in the first story arc of this. So that would be issue 36. I think it's at the end of the issue. I'm flipping back to it. Yeah, it is. So at the very end of that issue, the rebel ship lands, the rebels disguised as Imperials come walking out of the ship and everything. Luke is obviously one of them going under the name, Lieutenant Judland. Look at his hair. Luke still has his Tatooine haircut. That is not Imperial. Would not. I was just going to say, this is the friggin' military. I don't care how relaxed it may be. And maybe they're diverse and all that because they have different alien cultures. Maybe he's in special ops. You know, they're going to grow out to hair. Whatever. Look at his hair. (laughs) That is not regulation at all. If there's anything that's a dead giveaway that one of these things is not like the other. (laughs) There you go. Look at Luke's hair. (sighs) I, will, I, I do have to admit, I think the one thing that stuck out to me most in the first pass through this was in issue 38, the slave woman that gets attacked by Tank's friend, basically. Her and her husband look like Angelina Jolene and Brad Pitt. <laughs> you know, I didn't even catch that, but you're right. <laughs> oh, my God. I totally do. Yep. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I'm trying to remember if we ever find out what happens to that guy, because that guy's an asshole. I wanted him to die so much, and I'm not sure if we ever see what happens to him. But mm. again, look at his hair compared to Luke. Now, that guy has a classic Marine haircut. You yeah. know, it's 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 all perfect, you know, straight lines and, and everything. It's short. It's It's where it's supposed to be. And then you look at Luke, and he's got, you know, feathered 70s hair. And it's like, no. No, no, this guy is obviously not in the military. <laughs> that really did jump out to me. I, I, I couldn't help it. 
going through this again now, there's a scene where I think it's Luke in the Stormtrooper costume, or co- costume, Stormtrooper uniform, uh, armor, walking by a window that looks like the window in Airplane 2 that Shatner's talking through, or, or the screen <laughs> that he's talking through, then you open the door and you find that it's just a window. Right. <laughs> <laughs> One of the interesting things looking at this book and getting off the, the story a little bit is the artwork to me looks to be very color dependent. Yes. It's it's thin lines. It's not a lot of Mm. fine detail in there. And if you took this and reprinted it in black and white, I don't think it would be nearly as effective. Oh, yeah, you're right. That's a good point. You know, it just occurred to me I didn't give any credits on this whatsoever. A lot of that has to do with the fact that I have made a conscious decision that if I can't pronounce your damn name, I'm not going to shout you out anymore. There's only one guy in the entire thing whose name I can pronounce. And it actually turns out that this is, uh, uh, what do you call it, when the um, a pseudonym? Oh, yeah. So the, the scripter on this, Wells Hartley. Wells Hartley is actually Randy Stradley. Now, if you know anything about when we did Star Wars Monthly Monday, you know that Chris and I love Randy Stradley because Randy Stradley did one issue of Marvel Star Wars. It's the one issue that we both voted the best single issue of the entire Oh, series. is that the Alderaan story? It's the Alderaan story. Oh, yep. yeah. Where, where Leia ends up fighting with the uh, stormtrooper who's actually a fellow survivor of Alderaan. Great story. And that's actually how Randy Stradley got his start. That was his first published story. And here he is, you know, all these years later, now working over at Dark Horse writing Star Wars. And that just lends in again to why I like this so much. Randy Stradley, he just has a way, he knows his Star Wars for one, but also he's one of those few Star Wars writers that can write a an emotional story like a like a star wars story that gets you emotionally invested in the story which at the end of the day you know there's some exciting stuff it is star wars there's a lot of shit blowing up there's you know you know laser guns and intrigue and lightsabers and all that but at the end of the day i'm emotionally invested in the story because the characters are are interesting and doing interesting things and i think he's really really good at that and he does that throughout this entire series i i can't recommend star wars empire enough i mean this one story is fantastic but overall as a series and it's only 40 issues most of which again you can get them out of the 50 cent bin mm. or the trades are really cheap too i've seen you know, the trades which generally reprints five or six issues in the trades and i think there's five trades altogether. i think five or eight or something like that there's not that many anyway i've seen those as cheap as like two bucks no, and it's a damn good series. I mean, the yeah. whole 40-issue run is really good stuff. Well, you know, Randy Stradley's credited as the editor. Yeah. But no, so he's you're... he wrote it as well. Yeah, he's... Ah. Uh, well, yeah. Wells Hartley is one of his... He, he's actually written under several pseudonyms, but Wells Hartley is one of his, his main used ones. You but can't yeah, say I those think... are other names? Davidi Fabri? Is it David? David Domenico? Uh, de Monaco, yeah. Christian Dallavicia. See, there you go. That's why I'm not. <laughs> Change your damn name. Michael David Thomas. Ah, I got that one. There you go. That one works. David Michael Beck. <laughs> Special day. Anyway, I have G. talked enough. Oh, what there you, go, what yeah. do you guys think of this? Just, just for what it's worth, I think it's Dallavecchia. I don't think it's that what? hard. Where Dallavecchia? Christian Dallavecchia. Drinks. <laughs> Dalla. I think, I think you guys are making it harder than. But it you're has saying to. it like one word. It's too. It's yeah, Christian Dalla, Dalla Vecchia. Vecchia. Oh. Well, you're Italian. You can. Did, say you, did you have problems with Deborah Bailey? No, I was fine with that. 
If Fantano. <laughs> so what did you think, Paul, Bill, anybody? Well, I, I said I liked it a lot. I thought it was a great story. I, I really enjoyed it. The, the overall story, I, th- I think you hit it on the head, that the overall story, you know, it's good, it's enjoyable, you know, but, but it's really a backdrop for this. Yes. Yep. yep. So, yeah, you know, I had it's a mechanism to this? get these two characters together. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If yeah, we I think great, this was oh. spoiled for me. Uh, speaking of spoilers, like earlier things, uh, I had heard about that this was you know Tank was who he was going to meet up with. So I, I wasn't. I don't have any back issues of Empire. I think I actually started to pick up stuff at when Rebellion came around, mm-hmm. um, which I think this blonde carries over into that, doesn't she? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because she goes on a couple of missions with Luke. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and, and I've stopped the show. Yep. Well, you know, spoiler, but, uh, you know, like, like I said before, um, this isn't it for Tank. I mean, this this storyline is wrapped up in the next issue, but then yeah, Empire I don't remember ends what happens. and Rebellion starts. He comes back in Rebellion. Yeah, and, I don't remember uh, what he there's does. There's a really good storyline in that one, too, where, where it's more of a true final confrontation so to speak between him and luke that uh that i think is just fantastic stuff it, it's really good i want to check that out now because i did really enjoy this um i'll go ahead and, and do grades on this uh let's see again I, I was judging it more as the overall story but since most of the story that i covered actually comes from 39 i'll, I'll just i'll base this just on chapter you know that chapter alone so the cover for 39 is uh, just a bunch of stormtroopers getting blowed up, really. Um, so it really doesn't have a whole hell of a lot to do with the interior story. It's a nice cover. I, I like stormtroopers. They actually look like stormtroopers. They are much better than uh, Infantino stormtroopers. But at the end of the day, it's a bunch of stormtroopers. So it's nice. It's pretty. But I don't know that it would make me pick it up off the stands because this is where we're clearly into that era of... Um, you know, just pretty poster art as opposed to something that tells me what the hell the book is about. So, um, a, a great, I'd have to just give it a middle of the road C cause I mean, it, it's pretty, it's nice, but it doesn't do anything for me. It doesn't, it doesn't make me want to pick it up off the stands. You know what I mean? So looks like a stormtrooper rave. <laughs> well, in a weird kind of way, it almost reminds me of like Crisis on Infinite Earths number one, where you've just got a bunch of bodies tumbling in space, because that's kind of what it looks like, too. So it doesn't really give you any indication what the hell it's about. Troopers will live. Troopers yeah, will die. Yeah, it, it could be anything. It could be a one-shot story about stormtroopers or, or whatever. It doesn't even say, you know, part, what was this, part four of a five-part. It says nothing, so it gives me nothing at all. Uh, anyway, moving along, interior art. I'm torn on the you art. You just realized you said moving along. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> the, sorry. The interior art, I mean, the art is, it's really weird because it's both really good, but also really generic at the same time, if that makes any sense. I mean, everything is functional. Everything really works. Some of the facial expressions are really good. The ships look fantastic, which was a hallmark of, of, um, that was another one of those hallmarks of Empire that made me like it so much was the ships always looked damn good. And because it was the Empire you were focusing on, you know, you generally got Imperial ships. And Imperial ships are always my favorite ships anyway. So the ships always looked really good. Generally, the the cities and the bases looked really good. And it's not like the the characters don't look good. But again, they just they, they look kind of kind of generic, if you know what I mean. 
So it, it was it was kind of a weird dichotomy that way. In a lot of ways, it actually kind of owes back to classic Marvel Star Wars in the fact that I always thought this kind of the same thing about Infantino and some of the other guys in the in the early days of Marvel Star Wars where the ships looked really good, but sometimes the characters didn't look that great. Um, so I don't know. I, I would give this... Uh, I don't know. I think I'd actually give this a B on the artwork. It could definitely be better, and I think Paul really nailed it that a lot of this is color-dependent. I think in black and white, this wouldn't be near as dynamic as, as it appears to be. The coloring really does add a lot to it. It is it is a very strong player in the arts and story wise, although I had little nitpicks here and there, some continuity things and stuff like that. And it is a bit of a stretch with Luke being on the mission and everything. At the end of the day, uh, that is all just a mechanism to get these two characters to the moment of that realization of, for one, who Sunbear really was, but then also that great realization that. Oh my God, my my friend is actually my enemy. I th- I love that. That was the crux of the story for me. That was the real hook. And for that moment, for that great cliffhanger ending in in thirty eight, and then the whole thing, the whole interaction between them in thirty nine. I'm going to give the the story a straight up A. Uh, I think it's fantastic. I, I really really like this story. And this is you know the other purpose this serves me bringing this specific one to the show is again this would be one of those stories i would definitely lay on somebody that says ah the whole you was shit well no it wasn't because this is a damn good story and that's all i got so what's your overall you oh can, the you overall individuals um, you can give the overall 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 i'm gonna say a, a, a b i mean room room for improvement there's there's a you know a little wonkiness there's some silliness that sort of thing but overall a b uh, a very strong b i really like this Okay, uh, I'm going to jump in next because I'm going to go quick because I'm not going to vary much off of what you said. Uh, I agree with what you said on the cover. It's fine. It's functional. doesn't really have anything to do with what the story is to speak of. Uh, and nothing about it would make me say, oh, I got to buy this unless I was thinking, oh, a Star Wars book. I want to buy a Star Wars book. But there's nothing about this one in particular that would make it jump out. I think they purposely left off that it's part four or five because I think they're thinking if you've already read parts one through three, you'll pick this up. And if you haven't, you don't need to know that it's a continuation because that might stop you from picking it up. And I I don't like that, but I think that's the thinking behind it. Uh, The interior art, uh, I'm I'm willing to go with the fact that it's color dependent because I think... You know, color is part of the art as far as I'm concerned. And I think they did a nice job of coloring it, and it, it brings it to a, to a nice level. So, uh, oh, wait a minute. Did I actually give a grade on the cover? I talked about how I didn't like it, but I didn't give a grade. Uh, so I'm going to just say a C on the cover. Um, back to the interior artwork. Uh, I think it's, you know, it's solid. It's good. I like it. B. Uh, and I agree that the story is an A because it's, you know, I, I like... Luke seeing his mirror image effectively, not his opposite number. Uh, and I think they did it in a kind of a, you know, in, in, a, in a clever way to, to, to take this character that was only a name and to actually give him a personality and give him a, a background and, and let him have form and not just be a two-dimensional character. So I really like that. And overall, I'll give the book a, a I'm going to say a B plus. Okay, I'm, I'll go next because I'm right along with you guys. Cover, yeah, nothing would draw me to buy this and it has nothing to do with what's inside. So that's a C artwork inside. I'd go along with what you guys said. It's a B. I mean, it, it works with the story. Uh, the story certainly outshines the artwork. So that it 
not much more I can say that you guys said. And story absolute A. I mean, this is this is a great way to bring in a character that we everyone knows the line, but we know nothing about the character, and they brought it in so well that you they gave the reveal, and you didn't have to explain why or how they knew each other. You already knew it. So great story. A whole thing overall, same as what Paul just said. B plus, absolutely. So is this where they actually is this storyline where they give Tank a full name? Yes. Okay, so he was just Tank up, up until this point, yep. which is why you didn't know. Oh, that would make sense. That's why you didn't know who Janik was. Okay. Yeah, and until Luke, you know, when confronted, until Luke turns around and says, Tank? I mean, yeah. that is the reveal mm. in this story. Until that point, you know, this character, uh, uh, Janik, had been around since issue 16 of this book. So what is that, 20 issues? That's almost two years. Wow. So, yeah, up until that point, readers didn't know who this character was. He you was think they had a... that planned out that long? Or did oh, they yeah, just... absolutely. Yeah, because Stradley wrote the original story, too. And oh, interviews okay. I've read with him said from the moment he debuted in the story where he was on the Amanamon planet, he had it all planned out. He wanted you to... Uh, you know, essentially to fall in love with the character, to come to care for him and, and think he was, you know, he was a, a cool and sympathetic character. And then, boom, you know, mm. you're hit with who he uh, really cool. is. And uh, that's, that's really awesome. Cool. I mean, yeah. that that's long term planning that really paid off. Mm. Almost like most of Empire is the uh, the tank story. Mm hmm. Yeah. Good, good portion of it. Uh, yeah, I don't really have any big variations, uh, although the scene on the cover is one that happens in the book. When all the stormtroopers step off the shuttle and hit the tripwire, so that is that is something oh, we do okay. see in, inside. Um, but still, even with that, uh, yeah, I'm gonna stick with a C. Um, I do like the use of the uh, of the color for like some of the you know the interiors and people's faces reflected in view screens. It, you know, it's it, it's not something you always see brought through in comic art. You know, you'd always don't get that reflection of light. It's usually, you know, you might have a dark room, but everybody is drawn like they're li well lit. Uh, so okay. that that was pretty cool. Uh, so inside, I'm gonna I'm gonna give give it a B as well. And then I have no nothing really to add on on the storyline. So that's gonna be an A. So we're overall a B. All right, we're running long, so let's move right on quickly to All our right. third book of the night. Cool. And I took the recently released, uh, and by recently, I mean February of 2015, Darth Vader number one, which sports a cover by Adi Granov. And that's basically a poster image of Darth Vader striking a pose with his lightsaber <laughs> as he stands in a schwitz. It's written by Kieran Gillen. Stands and in a what? A schwitz, like a steam room. Oh, okay. No, that's his little uh, meditation chamber Yeah, no, from just, Empire. It's, it's, he's in a little spa. <laughs> He should, he should be in there with Dr. Zayas naked in a towel. That would be awesome. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> and James Gregory. <laughs> the story is written by Kieran Gillen, and the art is by Salvador Laraca. It's a period of insurgents, rebel spaceships striking from, a hidden striking from a hidden base on a moon of Yavin have won a shocking surprise victory against the rightful reign of the Galactic Empire. The Empire's ultimate peacekeeping force, the Death Star, was destroyed due to an unforeseen design flaw. Without this deterrent, the rule of law is in danger. Chaos looms. For the 19 years after the vanquishing of the Jedi and his painful rebirth on volcanic Mustafar, Sith Lord Darth Vader has faithfully served his master. 
but now he has failed, and the Emperor must pay the price. The story opens at Jabba's palace on Tantooine, where Vader comes in, slicing the arm off a Gamorrean guard, and announces... Bacon. To... I'm sorry? I said bacon. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he announces to Bib Fortuna, Jabba's personal assistant, that he will speak to Jabba. Fortuna wakes Jabba, and Vader has him clear the room to speak in private. As they speak, we see that Vader stands upon the trap door, and Jabba's hand moves ever closer to the button to trip it. However, Vader is now standing on firm ground. The two start to verbally taunt each other as Jabba's entourage makes their way back behind Vader. In a five-page sequence, Vader uses his lightsaber to take out the entire group. He then force chokes Jabba until Jabba agrees to cooperate. Flashback to one day earlier at the Imperial Palace in Coruscant, where the Emperor is asking Vader to explain what had occurred in Episode 4. He tells the Emperor how the Rebels posed as an envoy to infiltrate the moon how they tortured the Overseer into revealing the base's codes and had success in destroying the core reactor. Vader has brought the Overseer to the Emperor to answer any questions and wheels him in in a torture device. The Emperor declares that the Overseer will not fail again, but what of Vader? He laments that the Death Star was constructed over 20 years and that the plans are now a layer of dust orbiting Yavin, thanks to Vader. Vader takes responsibility for his actions, but states that he was not alone in his arrogance, and starts to talk about the Force, which is quickly cut off by the Emperor, saying that Vader is the only one survivor of the greatest military disaster of all time. The Emperor holds Vader responsible for the defeat, and Vader declares that he will make things right and crush the Rebels, but the Emperor doesn't think so. He says that Vader has proven himself to be nothing but a blunt instrument. General Tag has always argued against being overconfident in the Death Star as a, as a sole weapon, and now Vader will answer to him. But first, he has business with Jabba the Hutt. At this point, a cyborg dude comes in, and when Vader asks who it is, the Emperor tells him to mind his own beeswax. Vader flashes back to his saber duel with Obi-Wan and his interaction with Luke in a scene from issue two of the concurrent Star Wars comic. Vader then departs for Tantooine, but taking, <coughs> excuse me, but taking the time to berate a subordinate first, because he can. Now we move forward to a point after Vader's meeting with Jabba. Jabba set up a meeting for him with bounty hunters. The bounty hunters he set up are Boba Fett and Chewbacca's slow-witted cousin Chewie Dumb. Vader sends them to bring Luke to him alive. <laughs> Following the meeting, the camera pulls back as Vader says that he has business on the planet. His p business on the planet is concluded, and we see that he slaughtered all of the Sand People on Tantooine. He killed them. He killed them all. They're dead. Every single one of them. And not just Even the, the men, children. but the women and children, too. <laughs> They're animals, and he slaughtered them like animals. He hates them. Give me yeah. some blue milk. The end. Uh, I, I liked this series. I had read, like, the first five or six issues before I kind of fell off of it. And I, I, I kind of liked that it presented it from the Empire point of view. Yeah. I liked that it showed, you know, Vader's machinations behind the scenes to protect his own power and, and you know, the, the lack of trust between him and the Emperor. Yeah, the Emperor's a douche. <laughs> you know, I mean, throughout the history of, of the Emperor, he was always setting up somebody to fail. <laughs> yeah, so, true. This so, is your fault, Vader. What? I mean, and, and eventually, it turned. you know, his, his plan is to replace Vader with Luke anyway. <laughs> right, right. So, so there's no reason why Vader should trust him because he clearly proves that he's not trustworthy. And, and I like just the, the fact that this story shows kind of that behind-the-scenes stuff and, and the fact that Vader's not just a tool who's sitting there waiting to be replaced. 
So I enjoyed that aspect of it. I I, I'm, I don't remember where they go with the uh, the bounty hunters, but reading this again, you know, close to a year later, I'm curious to to see where that went. Uh, I think I remember, but if you don't want me to say, I won't say. Yeah, I mean, if it's a if it's a decent story, I'd rather you not say. Uh, I'll, well, I, if it's stupid, then you can just tell me it's stupid. And we go well, <laughs> from a certain point of view. Boba does eventually catch up with Luke on the planet. And, uh, yeah, yeah. And stuff. And stuff. Stuff happens. He goes to Ben's old uh, homestead and confronts Boba Fett there. They don't really see each other because it's dark. And Luke's, uh, it's, uh, I didn't really like it. All right. How about, how, about, how about Chewie and Chewie Dumb? I don't remember Chewie Dumb. What, what, Is what there happened a scrap baka? Because now I hope there's a scrap baka. That would be awesome. <laughs> He's stuck outside the house trying to get out of a pair of Chinese handcuffs or finger cuffs. <laughs> that's a that's a lovely cod piece he's got there too. He's got the arrow pointing for something. I don't know. <laughs> Ladies down here. <laughs> what would you get? Did you guys all read this? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What'd you think of it? I liked it better than the actually the the Star Wars proper. Yeah. Opening uh, or debut episode. Well, the whole actually. I, I think I ditched that after uh, I keep seeing episode after uh, issue two or three. This I kept going for about about like six or seven, like you were saying, Paul, and then it just kind of trailed off. I, I enjoyed this one more than that one. One thing I did notice, and and reading this again reminded me of it, man. It's like it is over before you know it. Oh yeah, it's yeah. it's very decompressed. Yeah, and I think a lot of it has to do with that. And I didn't really, I never noticed it was a five page clearing of the room until you. Pointed it out by number. I'm like, holy crap! That is five full pages. Of this issue, or just him just wiping out everyone in the the, the in Java's court, uh, whatever courtyard, palace room, living room. I don't know, whatever you want to call it. Yep. Yeah, and, and I mean, it's 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 nice to look at from an artistic point of view to see the the choreography and and you know what he does with it. On the other hand, you know, you're paying. Yeah. I don't remember <laughs> what this book went for. Uh, yeah, because artistically, he's. I mean, it's. It flows and it t- tells a story even without a lot of dialogue. You know what's going exactly what's going on, but it's still yeah. What is this? the price of this? Is like three ninety nine, something like that. Something like that, at least expensive. Yeah, yeah, especially for what a fast reader was. But I still liked it though. I liked the uh, I liked his interaction with Jabba. I liked the uh, kind of facing. It's 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 reminiscent of him and Luke facing off, but he's well. A much better match for Java than Luke when it comes to talking things and and threat and trying to threaten each other. Uh, I I like the very end for some reason, even though it's a prequel reference. I I liked him kind of still holding that grudge and still being a huge part of what drives him to do the things <laughs> he do is the whole you know ever all the terrible things that happened in his childhood and to his mother and then uh, I. About the only thing I would say I didn't care for, and it wasn't so much... I, didn't, I wouldn't say I didn't like it. I really didn't care about the, um, the Imperial end of it, I guess you'd say. like uh, uh, Him and the Emperor was fine, but then you bring in this other guy with the Greedo eye, and then you have a little bit of, uh, what's his name, the, the, the other moth, and I, I could have done without that, which is funny to say, considering how short the story was, but that was the only thing I just... I, 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 I didn't dislike it. It's, that was my least favorite part, let's say that. Well, it's nice to taggy or tag tag. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, is, yeah, uh, he's we know that he made it off. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, to how? Dink. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
And the artwork I like a lot better than the first issue of Star Wars because like there's some panels in Star Wars you're just like holy crap did they just draw all those stormtroopers with only a ruler? <laughs> it it also feels slightly less mm. photo referenced. Yeah, I don't know about that. Uh, I, I don't know. I didn't say heavily photo referenced. Oh, I think it feels less photo referenced than the uh, than Star Wars issue one. Hmm. Was that John Cassidy? Yeah, I, think that I, I seem to remember that being incredibly photo referenced. I don't know. This this is too. There's there's a good number of panels in here. Where I'm like, damn, dude, did you just pull out your old tops <laughs> cards and trace them or what? Because there are an awful lot of shots in this that are, you know, yeah, the first page he took of- it and and changed, you know, changed Luke to Vader and done, you know, and and yeah. The first page of Bib Fortuna, that looks straight out of Jedi. That's that's the one that stood out to me. I, I give you that. Him walking down the hallway looks straight yeah. from Jedi. Yeah, there's there's a ton of it that is straight out of Jedi. Yeah, a lot of it. And You're just you know, mad at me because I didn't like Carmine Infantino. Yeah, I am. Infantino. <laughs> well, you know, if you're, you're going to talk gonna on Carmine, just you, you, don't need like to look, you need to look at the page. Oh, God, where the hell is it? It's the one. None of these goddamn pages are numbered. Why can't they uh, put yeah, numbers in comics in here? But it's the page. It's the very first panel on the page where Jabba is saying, "Always making everything so difficult." Look at Vader. He's like he's going with his mouth, and he has crossed eyes. What the hell is that all about? He is totally making the Darth Vader dur face right there. <laughs> dur. <laughs> but beyond that. Uh, I do. I mean, the art is really good, even though it's incredibly photo reference. It's just, oh, I'm so sick of this decompressed storyline now. Yeah. You know, it, it just for the price they're charging. And I know we say this all the time. I'm sorry for beating a dead horse. But for the price they're charging for comics, can I get a goddamn story out of the issue instead of like, a, you know, it's not even a quarter. It's like, what is it now? Like a, a sixth of a story or something these days? It's ridiculous. Look at what? the look at how we started the night with the old Marvel, the, the vintage Marvel 29, which is like, and I don't mean this in a bad way. I'm just using it as a comparison. Words everywhere. Words to the point of like almost as much text on the page as the pictures. And here we mm-hmm. have an issue where it's five panel, five pages in a row without a single piece of text on it at all. Yep, exactly. And it's not like that story in, in issue 29 couldn't I mean you could take that and today that could be a six part story with all the shit that yeah, happens right. in it. Yeah. But they did it in a in an issue, you know, and I, I think there's something to be said for that. But I don't know. Getting back to this issue proper though, I mean, I, I totally agree with you. I, I liked it a hell of a lot more than uh you know any of the issues that I read of of you know the proper Star Wars title that runs concurrently with this. You know, it's funny, Matt. You, you said that you you bailed on it after issue two or three. I, I know it's a complete tangent, but I'm dying to know why. Oh, it just was uh, like. Would it be all the references to uh, you know Han driving a an ad ad all of a sudden and. Yeah, it was. I mean, it just well, the story wasn't captivating me. It was a lot of and not. I don't want to say fan service is a bad thing, but when you put fan service over actually trying to tell a story, it's like, hey, look, you know what this is, and you know what that is, and so do we. Aren't we awesome? So it's like, okay, you're not telling me a story here. I'm done. I, I was dying to know because I figured it was it was something along those lines. I, I don't know if you heard the episode of Growing Up Star Wars where Chris heard, Honeywell, yep. myself, and Scott Rifen reviewed it. But, man, did I take a lot of <laughs> shit for my stance on it. And it turns out I think you and I actually – It sounds have, like it, yeah. 
I, I did hear that. Way. Now you now you mentioned it. We I I did hear that because you did. And what stood out to me was your introduction to your opinion was no. I I want this series to be positive. But having said that, and then you went into your tangent about the, <laughs> about it. Yeah, it's just it's there's no. I'm not, I'm not gonna say there's no story. That's being unfair. It's just not a story I was interested in and I got tired of turning a page and saying, Oh look, there's another thing we all know and love. And you're reminding me. I love it. I know I love it. You don't need to remind me every page or be clever by showing me this all existed before you ever saw it. Right. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Look how clever we are. <laughs> yep, there you go. I just invented an ad ad. No, you didn't. All you did was make it exist. However many years before it really show us some new right. ships. Like they did. Well, granted, they didn't have as many like like the troop transport and other things that that they made up in the original Marvel. You but know, that's they, not the case. They actually with this did. Series, as we were going back through that series, I realized actually how many things they they either invented or a lot of times what they would do is they would go back to either the sketchbook or the Macquarie concept things mm-hmm. and bring a lot of those to life. I you know if they had done if Cassidy had done that. I'd have given him a total pass. You want to give me a proto at at, so to speak? I'm totally down with that. You want to give me a proto speeder bike or or whatever? I'm cool with that. But yeah, the idea of actually, you know, okay, it's it's you know, it's a speeder bike, you know, six years before we're supposed to no. No, well, no, no, no. I, I can live with these things being in existence. That's not a problem. But when they're so I, I really thought you said the speeder bike, that's what stood out to me. Not only was this, I thought the speeder bike forced into that story, but it was being used inside. I mean, those things are way too fast to be using indoors. I mean, just, and I'm not saying that as a joke. I'm saying it as a, a, a safety, just common sense thing. I was like, those things would never be an indoor found inside and be used as an indoor thing. Right. Now, you're just, now you're just pushing something <laughs> you know we like on us because I don't know why, because you are. Right. Because it's, cause it's the lazy way out. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, there you go. Yep, yep. Anyway, again, though that's not—that's really not this story. Yeah, right. Exactly. Right. So I, I think we're, we're we're almost criticizing this story for what they did in the. We other. are. You're right. Yep. No, there is... I, I didn't mean to though. I mean, at the at the end of the day, I liked this. I I guess the best way to put this, I was intrigued by it. Um, whereas I was pretty much ready to bail on you know the the companion book after the first uh, the first issue just was like. Pfft. Put me right off, and reading the second issue sealed the deal. Whereas this um, really intrigued me. I'm curious to see where this goes. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of where it goes has now been spoiled for me, and I know it's kind of diminishing returns after this, which which is a shame if that's really true. I do want still want to read it to form my own opinions, but you know, pretty universally from all my friends that have told me about it, have all they've all been in agreement without even necessarily talking to each other so you know there, there's that but i mean I, I thought it was interesting the thing though that that kind of stood out to me and i don't know this is going to sound really weird but the confrontation between vader and jabba at the beginning is arguably the coolest thing in the entire book and it's really it, it's fun the first time around and everything but the more i i look back at it and the more i re-examine it it's also the most annoying thing about it because it is in so many ways, and, and the art doesn't help this, it, it is just the the Luke confrontation with Jabba. You know, you're overlaying Vader for, for Luke. And that's 
cool on the surface, but then when you get deeper into it and really start looking at it, it, it becomes the annoying thing. But also, I know that Clone Wars, particularly the Clone Wars movie, is nowhere near as, as recognized or as referenced or, or anything like that as, say, Return of the Jedi is or was. But that is supposed to be part of official continuity, meaning... Anakin and Jabba, you know, essentially Darth Vader and Jabba oh, right, have yeah. faced off before. And I would have liked to have seen some glimmer of recognition from Jabba, like maybe some line that Vader says. And you could even do it in the artwork. You could you could have the, the artist do some sort of panel, you know, haze or something that showed like a like a one panel, like brief reference to that Clone Wars encounter that would clue you in, even if you'd never seen it, that would clue you in, oh, these guys must have met before, you know, when when Vader was Anakin. And some glimmer of recognition from Jabba that, wait a minute, you know, like 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 a a, a deja vu moment of Jabba going, wait, I've I've lived this moment before. Even if he doesn't re- necessarily connect the dots, just a recognition that whoa, that's weird. I've, I've had this same confrontation before with a Jedi, you know? Yeah. And I, I think that would have been actually cooler than having it just completely mirror, you know, Luke's Return of the Jedi confrontation. I don't know. What do you guys think of that? I think, like, for everything you said, it was all interesting, but I couldn't, I kept going to the thought that uh, if, if what you say is true and that is part of the uh, universe, that Zero the Hut really exists. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> he does. So that so there's there's a uh, a Louisiana based hut out there. Yep. Hello, Liam. <laughs> <laughs> and I find that hard to accept. And as you should. What? What you met, Boss Bataru? By the way, that's that's my personal favorite episode of Swick. What the zero one? Yes. Wow. Okay. I, it just cracked me up the whole episode. I was laughing. <laughs> oh, good. Well, thank you. Anyway, anything more to add on this particular story? No, not for me. I'll. Do you want me to start the great? Or no, you you brought it. I'm sorry. You, You're stepping ahead. on my toes, man. I know. I, I forgot how this worked. I didn't bring a book. I'm lost. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm Bill. <laughs> they, they talked fancy to me. <laughs> uh, all oh, right. Alvin's up here. Ooh, Alvin's by the mic. I like the cover. I think it's pretty Alvin, striking. Alvin, how do you say Infantino? Hmm? I was asking Alvin how you say Infantino. <laughs> He'll say it more clearly than Bill. <laughs> Get uh, off my desk. Sorry. I think Get the cover is, is striking. I think it looks fairly photorealistic, actually. Uh, I'm sure it's photo-referenced from somewhere, except I don't remember him ever striking that particular pose. Getting out of the shower. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, he would wear his whole thing in the shower. Boy, he must have smelled underneath that, huh? Oh, I never thought of that. Oh. But... Uh, <laughs> It doesn't really give you any indication as to what, what's inside the book, other than if the fact that it's about Darth Vader. Uh, so I got to take a little bit off for that. I think, like I said, I like the image itself. It's almost a poster image. Uh, I'm going to say a B minus on the cover. The interior art, I think we're, we we disagree as to how, the extent to which it's photo it's photo referenced. Although I do, I mean, I do see some photo referencing. I just think it's not as blatant as in the Cassidy issue. Um, but I think I think the story moves along. I think it 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 flows well. I think most of the images are pretty good. I'm going to also say a B minus on the interior art. The story itself 
is good. It's solid. Like I said, I like the aspect of showing the uh, level of treachery among the various people. However, it's way too decompressed, and that's the biggest problem I have with it. And for that reason, I'm going to give the story as well a B minus, which I think if I add those all up and average them out, it comes out to a B minus. Mm. Next. Oh, I'll go now because I wanted to jump the gun earlier. Uh, cover, cover. Um, yeah, I, actually, I don't really have much more to say when you said you, you pretty much saying what I was thinking cover. I'll give it a B as well. Uh, it's a good picture, but it's not a, you know, it's not an A cover. Uh, I do like the art. I do like the art. Uh, the photo referencing. I mean, it all makes sense now, but I honestly didn't really notice. Actually now it's, it's impossible not to see, but it took this conversation for me to see it. So I'm going to stick with, um, a B on this. Cause I, I just really liked how this looked. I liked the, the color, uh, well, I mean, I just, I just like the artwork in general. I don't want to have to expand too much on it. it, it there's not much more to say. Story, uh, man, if it was just not so quick to get through, I, I, I could give it such a, a much higher grade. But I'm actually going to go a little lower than Paul and go with a C because it's like you have your – the biggest part of the story is him and Jabba talking and then everything just zips right through and you don't really have any more – you got hints and bits and pieces that'll pan out in later issues, but you don't walk away with much more than what you started with in the first 10 pages. So I got to give it a C, which I guess if we put those together, much like Paul just said, that probably comes out to about a B minus as well. Uh, I'll go. Uh, yeah, the cover. Um, hey, we do not see this in the issue. That's true. Um, in fact, he's, he wouldn't be anywhere where that thing, the vice would possibly be. Well, I guess maybe in the emperor's palace, it could be one there. Yeah, maybe. Um, so, uh, but Hey, it's a nice, nice picture. Um, so I, in, you know, would it make you buy this cover? Well, you know, it's a number one, it's Darth Vader, it's Marvel. So yeah, I bought it. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, he could have been standing there in a pair of boxer shorts and I probably still would have bought it, you know, just the helmet and the saber. I've probably said too much, haven't I? <laughs> Cover, yeah. You really do scare me. <laughs> Somebody has to. Uh, so I, I'm going to give the cover a B. Um, the I liked the interior art, minus some of the photo referencing. Uh, you know, I liked ha- how the action did was able to tell the story without a lot of dialogue in the you know the fight scene. Although the fight scene took a large portion of you know a good section of the comic. Um, eh, I think I'm, I'm, I, I guess I'm still going to give the art probably a, probably a B minus on the in, in interior and it's a nice kickoff to the story. Um, you know, we catch up with what Vader has been doing and we learn he's laying new plans and, you know, we, we see what his plan is and we'll eventually see more of what the emperor's plan is. Cause I did read this up to like, I think issue eight or nine. Although I think it goes a little off the rails with some of the other characters that are introduced. I don't know if you guys have read that far. Specifically with the female character. The other two characters are... Oh, uh, yeah, I know which one you're talking about. The other two analogs to other heroes in another book uh, are kind of a weird twist on that. That's all I'll say if, if you guys haven't read it. Ooh. So, what? How, how far <laughs> no, have you read? I'm just oh. So I guess the story, I'm going to give it a B as well. So overall, it just rounds out to a B. B is for book. <laughs> B for Bill. Um, all right, so I'm looking at the cover here. I do like the cover image, but 
it made me contemplate something I never really thought about before. Those little boxes on his belt. Do you think they actually play come and get your love when he pushes the buttons? <laughs> yeah, I never really thought about it before. It's an okay cover. In a lot of ways, strangely, even though the pose is nothing like it, it actually reminds me of that old uh, Darth Vader Lives poster from the 70s, I, just with the whole lit lightsaber and all that. So it, it is pretty cool. Um, it's probably my favorite part of the, the whole book, honestly, is the cover. It just makes a great poster image. Um, doesn't necessarily sell the book, but doesn't necessarily hurt the book either. I'm, I'm going to give it a B-. minus. Um, the interior art, it's funny because uh, on the surface of it, when I first was flipping through and, and reading the book and everything, I'm like, yeah, this is really good. But the more I look at it, the more it just annoys the shit out of me because I, I can't look at it. I mean, it's, it's, it's just about every damn panel I look at going, yep, that was a classic tops card. Yep, that was a classic tops card. I mean, it, it's just it's too photo referenced. Which is weird because I always, as a kid, wanted Star Wars comics to look more like the movies. But now you've gone in the completely opposite end of the spectrum to where it looks so much like the movie, it doesn't even look like a comic book anymore. So there's got to be a happy middle ground somewhere, and this this isn't it. So I'm going to say a C on the, uh, maybe even a C- minus on the art. Because it's not that it's not good, it's just, it. I don't want my comics to look like a movie any more than I want my movies to look like comics. You know, I, I, I want them to be faithful in the medium that they're working in. And this doesn't, it wants too much to be a movie and, and it kind of, it kind of ruins the comic book nature of it for me. So I am not, I'm not crazy about that story is hard to really get a, a handle on. Cause it's not a story. It's a chapter. Um, and so given that, I, I'm going to go likewise a C- minus on the story because there's just it, it's it's all right for what it is, but it doesn't give me enough of a handle on it. It just kind of sort of sets it up and sort of intrigues me, but it, it doesn't I, I don't walk away feeling like, you know, wow, that was that was really fulfilling. That was a great issue. It's more like yeah, that was a that was an opening salvo kind of thing. So I, I don't know. It, it's tough to get a handle on it, but. At the same rate, I mean, didn't hate it, which I kind of did with the other, you know, new Marvel <laughs> Star Wars comics. So, yeah, you know, uh, overall grade, uh, I'm going to say just a middle of the road C. It's uh, it's it's not great, but it's it's not bad. So there you go. The one the one point I'm going to disagree with you on is, yeah, I do want my movies to look like the comics. And, and I get really kind of frustrated sometimes when they decide that they can't have it look like the comics because, oh, that wouldn't be realistic enough. Well, what I mean by that is, I mean, I you know, clearly, I mean, you've heard me argue this point many times. I want my movies that are comic book movies, you know, a, a movie that's adapting the comics. I want it to be faithful. But what I mean by not looking like, you know, the movie not looking like the comic is that when they have done it to where they are clearly trying to put the comic book medium on the screen, like say a la those stupid okay, screen wipes and transitions and stuff oh, that they do in Angley Hulk. I oh God, I totally shit. agree with you. Okay. Okay. I that's, back off the that's point. really what I'm talking about. I totally yeah. back off it. You win. Don't, <laughs> don't please don't make me watch that movie again. Yeah. I hate that. I like so, Sam Elliott and his, it's Thunderbolt Ross. No, no, no. I, 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 oh, okay. I'm talking totally about the, how they tried to make it like a visual comic book. I oh, okay. just, I, I, I hated that. You know, uh, the, the point, the, the one I'll really point to is when they blow up, um, 
God, what the hell character was he supposed to be? Was he supposed to be Talbot? When they blow yeah. up Talbot and he like yeah. flies at the, I'm like, what the hell is this? Is this Jaws 3D? That was the <laughs> stupidest shit I ever saw. It was just ridiculous. And then what they were trying to do was a comic book explosion panel in a live action movie, and it came off looking like a shitty 3D effect from, you know, again, Jaws 3D. So it was just, it was stupid. So stupid. And it was clearly somebody who didn't understand the comic book medium trying to take what, what they thought it should look like and, and, and it just didn't work at all. So yeah, I, I don't want movies to look like that when they're doing comics and I don't want comics that are doing movies to just, okay, let's just draw the movie. I, you know, some, some blend in there somewhere, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I got you. And I, and I thought empire did that well. Cause it, it felt like the world, you know, and, and all of that, but at the same rate, still a comic. Right. Whereas this, not so much. Fair enough. What was your overall on it? Uh, I'm just going to go middle of the road C on it, I All think. Right. You know, right. like so, I say, not not great, not bad. And and I, I am intrigued enough to, to read forward. I, I hadn't yet just because of, I don't know, whatever. But uh, I do plan to check it out further than that. I don't know if I'll... You know, necessarily, uh, you know, read right up to wherever they are currently, but I, I'm intrigued enough to at least, you know, see where this particular story arc goes, and then see if it's worth my my time to keep going. You know what I just noticed, oddly enough, is that very last panel, uh, the Vader shot where he's standing over the bodies of the stormtroopers and everything. Now you argue it if you like, but I think that's very reminiscent of that uh, that link that I sent you guys to Vader on the on the flower planet. Finding Except out well Luke's done. name, mm. the one by Infantino. Actually, the, the the link you sent us was good. I, I have to admit, you'll have to post that on the Back to the Bins Facebook page. I will when this comes out, so this way people will be able to look at it because that was a good image. Well, unfortunately, it wasn't part of the book that we were rating. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we, we're running really long, so anybody have any closing thoughts before we call this to an end? No, I'm good. Infantino, I like bacon. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I guess that'll do it then. I just want to say thanks to Matt for uh, for coming and joining. Oh us. yeah, Matt, I'm really pump, really uh, glad that uh, that he came pimp, along. Pimp yeah, thanks for having me. That was fun. Pimp Despite yourself, Bill Matt. being with us. Hey, all right, all right. screw Matt. Good night, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> all right, have a good night, everybody. Good night. Good night. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to our show, and we hope you'll continue to join us each and every week for more good old fashioned comic book back issue awesomeness. You can contact Back to the Bins to leave feedback, comments, questions, suggestions, and criticisms via email at backtothebins at gmail.com or by joining the Back to the Bins group on Facebook. Back to the Bins is a proud affiliate of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network, which you may find at www.twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is a registered trademark of DiManzo Corps of Milan, Italy. All rights reserved. Each and every month, the Two True Freaks Network produces dozens of new and exciting episodes which regularly reach tens of thousands of loyal listeners worldwide. Sponsorship and or advertising opportunities are available. Inquiries may be made via email to twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Please take a moment to stop by the twotruefreaks.com site and check out their many other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks. And we'll see you next week. So, oh, so what is this? Back to the bins? Where are we? We are back to the bins.
We are back to the bins. Bum, 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 bum. No, that doesn't work, does it? Not really. Wait, we are binsers. Bum, 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 bum.